1: And gentlemen, and welcome to Auntie Nanny. Um, Tonight we begin as usual with the CASA update. Hi, Alex, are you here?
2: I'm here. Can you hear me?
1: I can hear you perfect. Uh, Wonderful. All right, welcome to the CASA update for 317 2017. Incidentally, if you celebrate it, happy St. Patrick's Day. So, what is new and exciting this week, Alex?
2: Um, Well, I I figured when I was, I guess, wrapping up last. week, as I typically do. Um, I, I felt like I was forgetting something. Okay. And uh, I think I forgot to mention uh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, and the news at the end of last week was that Senator Bartolotta's bill is officially introduced. Uh, it is SB 508, and I checked up on it today, and there's 12 co-sponsors already, um, which is... Uh, which is awesome. And I, I can't remember how many co-sponsors were on Jeff Whelan's bill or the, the co-sponsor way well, yeah, it ended up being a bill. Um, I want to say there was like 40 co-sponsors, maybe even wow. 50 last year. So, um, Man. it's, uh, it, it off to a good start. And, um, so and and the campaign for pennsylvania is still live it's still active we're still trying to get people to co-sponsor these bills okay. um i i th- had thought that jeff whelan's bill was going to be introduced this week i might have m- misheard that okay. um so i um, looking for that to be officially introduced and numbered um in the near future um so no tax.org will take you to our engagement on that oh uh And I should probably get a little thank you campaign together for these co-sponsors, which is, uh, I think, had some effect uh, for last year's efforts on 2058. Um, And so speaking of which, going right into that, HR 1136 has started picking up co-sponsors. And I I didn't check today, but I believe we're looking at two more. We're two more, two one. more today. So does that bring us to like twenty?
1: Uh, I didn't really look,
2: but Hold still. On. I'm 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 putting it through the Google machine.
1: All right. So uh,
2: let's see here. And uh, yes, <laughs> our uh, twenty. That nice. brings us to twenty. Uh, that's, and we're not bipartisan
1: that's... yet, are we?
2: Uh, well, it's introduced as bipartisan, uh, you nice. have San- Sanford Bishop is a Democrat from Georgia. Awesome. So, um, it, it, it starts out as a bipartisan bill. It is predominantly Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we lost one or two of the 2058 co-sponsors from last year. They didn't, they either didn't run for election or they were, uh, unelected. Um, so, uh, I'm not exactly sure, but, uh, You know, there is there is a substantial effort afoot to get some bipartisan support for this. I know that people think that we may not need this to be bipartisan. But, um, you know, in the scheme of things in the larger long term strategy that that we're all talking about, um, it is it is very important that this is a bipartisan effort. Um, and, And, you know, this is not something that we're going to solve by the wave of, of an executive pen. Oh, um, you know, this, is this is just a much larger, a much deeper conversation. So, mm-hmm. uh, it will be very important to get, get more, more Democrats to sign on to this, but for now, uh, 20 current 19 or 20 current. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Cole Bishop is listed as the, as an original co- co-sponsor. So let's just say 19. Okay. 19 co-sponsors pretty much right out of the gate, I think is is good. Nice. Um and so you know, and we'll it, be getting
1: it certainly seemed like we had to lobby quite hard, lobby our Congress people quite hard last year to support it. So this many so far, pretty impressive.
2: Yeah, there was a lot. And you know, for this particular for for what this was last year, and it's still a thing this year, the Cole Bishop amendment is still in the appropriations bill. So, um, you know, this HR 1136 basically allows us to gather. It allows uh, Congress members to show, to publicly show their support for what is the Cole Bishop amendment, um, which was kind of, you know, the idea that, that we had, had pushed with 2058. Um, so, uh, yeah, but you know, last year it, there was a little bit of extra effort involved because we're talking about a bill that has no, it, we're talking about language that doesn't have a standalone bill really to reference other than, you know, this change the predicate date thing that was out there. Um, so, you know, ideally we get, you know, the 70 some co-sponsors like that. So, um, yeah, and then we should pick up some more. Um so, yeah, that, that is the deal in case people were not aware of that. The Cole Bishop Amendment is still in the agri Bill, and um, we could be looking at something happening with the budget. Um, I'm assuming probably we're getting kind of deep into um, March, so right. we might be looking at April or May. I'm not entirely sure what the last I heard about that was. Uh, and obviously things are just sort of in turmoil in <laughs> Washington, D.C. right now. So who who really has a, their, their finger on the pulse with that? Um, but uh, so, yeah, that's uh, co-sponsors for H.R. 1136. We added more, and I'm going to have to add those names to our list. And, uh, I, you know, I sent out an email I, yesterday or the day before, um, wasn't earlier this doesn't matter I sent out an email to people living in districts represented by a co-sponsor and so um, uh, you know we're encouraging those people to do the thank you campaign much like what we did with 2058 last year Um, so please by all means if you get that email saying hey thank your thank your representative please send them a thank you note Um, and yeah, that, that that helps to generate, I think, a little bit of buzz on Capitol Hill. Yeah. Yeah. The next thing um, that happened this week, I'm going to save the good news for last um, because oh, we need so to different. end on a high note. It's Friday. Yes. Um, the uh, Governor Cuomo, New York State, has. Uh, his budget bill has been uh, amended. <laughs> it's been introduced for a while. This was originally, it's it's A3009. And if you actually look, um, I, I, actually, I don't know what it looks like on the legislature website, but it's A3009B, as in boy. Okay. Um, it This is the, I believe third iteration of this bill. It was originally introduced with a 10 cent per milliliter tax, and um, there was some hope because the alternative to this was going to be something like 75 percent wholesale tax, um, or 75 percent extra tax. I'm not sure, but it was going to be a much larger tax, and so there was some there was the thought was that Governor Cuomo had looked around. And said well that's a bit outrageous and you know we don't want to put people out of business so let's go with the lower tax well the bill has since changed and we're talking about a 40 cent per milliliter tax and I apologize to everyone in New York State who got my first email that said 40% wholesale tax it is in fact a 40 cent per milliliter tax Um, yeah and there are some other things in there that are very concerning um I, I didn't really get too deep in the weeds in that there are some licensing issues um that the new york state vapors association um they they will address um because they're you know they're their businesses um yeah. but there are some licensing issues in there that i believe they find to be burdensome um and the interesting thing is there's a penalty structure for people who might be evading the taxes. And, um, I put my notes away. (laughs) There are some thresholds for the amount of liquid that you can carry around with you in the state. And so if you're traveling through New York state and you say, I I think one of the numbers I had was something like 15,000 milliliters. Um, And that's quite a lot. I don't know anybody who goes on vacation with that much liquid, but I'm not going to put it past, you know, I've been around (laughs) vapors long enough to know um, what people use to some extent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me that someone actually is traveling around with that just for, you know, walking around Um, (laughs) e-liquid. So uh, yeah, there are some penalties in there that um, people will be discussing, I'm sure. But I mean, just, On on its face, the forty cent per milliliter proposal is enough to recommend removing this section from the budget, and that's the tricky part of this that I think people need to to keep in mind. And I very specifically worded our engagement is that this is a three hundred nine part F F F is in Frank, and. It's just one side. This is a huge budget bill. It covers a bunch of stuff. So we're just one part of the budget bill. And that's, that's what we want removed. Um, Some other people have spotted uh, uh, an indoor vaping ban in here. Um, I I did not uh, see that. And I, I still need to confirm that for my own sanity. I find that, I find that a bit odd that an indoor vaping ban would make it make its way into the state budget bill. Um, but this is New York and strange that New York is strange. Um, so I, I I could have just overlooked that. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of bad stuff wrong with this, but again, just on its face, 40 cents per milliliter has to go. Um, and this is wildly inappropriate. And, Mm -hmm. um, so that is the effort right now. And I believe something is happening with that next week. Um, and so right now. What we have is uh, messages going to, um, I believe the Finance Committee okay. and um, Republican leadership in the Assembly. So um, if you live in New York, please take action. And I, I was actually contacted by someone on Long Island and they were looking for um, some print materials that they could put in their shops. Um, and uh, you know they want they want to have people actually, You know a bit a a tiny bit of like like a pre-written message with a lot of enough blank space that someone can write their own message on there sign it and send it to their uh, assembly member Um, so i would be working on that this weekend um, along with you know a very similar type of thing that i will be taking to vape showcase next week Um, so next week i'll be in atlanta and i'll I'll try to be available to do the update but uh, i can't make any promises on the bright side, we're, all, we're still on the East Coast, so I don't have to worry about, you know, weird times or anything, yeah. <laughs> which has been an issue in the past. Yeah, no worries. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's New York, horrible vapor tax. Uh, the other thing to bring up, and, and uh, this is another tax, uh, it's a pair of tax bills, um, and we're, we're doing a sort of a limited, tar, very targeted effort on this. Um anybody in Washington State who follows the Pink Long Brigade uh, may have seen their call to action, uh, which is mainly focused on businesses. <clears throat> I mean it is it is focused on businesses. Um, Washington State is looking at two different bills. Uh, one would redefine vapor products to be to other other tobacco products uh, or tobacco. It, it essentially changes the definition of tobacco to include vapor products and uh would subject them to the state's existing ninety-five percent wholesale tax. <clears throat> Excuse me. The other bill uh defines vapor products separately. Thank you. Um but uh would enact a sixty percent extra tax on vapor products. So no thank you.
1: Whoa.
2: <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, and, and I guess that uh, there, there's some language in there that I'm not entirely familiar with. Um, I, I think it had something to do with the, I want to say first receipt or total receipt, total sales. And there's some other language in there that if, if you sell a taxable vapor product right. with other products that are not subject to the tax, the entire receipt... Then becomes subject to this tax.
1: So, okay. So, how does how does that work? We we tax I, it because we say we want to, and that's like saying uh, I'm going to go shopping, but only if you give me the discount I want. That's crazy.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not exactly familiar with it. I do. It it's it's strange, and and I. I only bring it up because I, it's it is strange. <laughs> that's um, very strange. But I, I think I have seen this before or heard of this before. And I mean, there's a workaround, basically. The, the, the retailer sells you the the taxable tobacco product and then you know you wait a couple minutes and then you buy everything else that's on the ticket. Um, you know, and there are certain non-taxable items that are exempt from this, but um, yeah, this is uh, just sort of an added layer of, of ridiculousness. That uh, Washington has thrown into this bill. So um, the point of bringing that up, though, was that um, you know we sent out a—it's a very limited engagement. It's not publicized on our site. Uh, this was directed at people living in districts rep- districts represented by uh, someone on the—I forget the committee. Um, so it, it it is limited, and these people are are communicating directly with their lawmakers. Um, you know, it's, it's send an email. It's first, first, it's make a phone call, uh, and then you know, hear their talking points and send an email, right. uh, and absolutely follow up again on Monday and make right. a phone call. Yeah. When when this, when the state legislature opens up for business on Monday, call them, um, and so I'll be sending out a reminder to people in Washington living in those districts, uh, and we're keeping it very focused and targeted for now. Okay. Um, uh, so anyway, Washington state, that's what's up. All right, <laughs> so I got through all of the all of the doom and gloom, plus okay. some bright spots, and now um, I want to uh, share that um, we had a, we've we've got a, a bit of a victory in Kansas. Wow. Um, the and and it's it's great. I mean, it really is is great. Uh, the Kansas, uh, I, I call it the vapor tax reform bill. Um, It's Senate bill 130 and it reduces the tax to five cents per milliliter on on any e-liquid It was passed by the Kansas State Senate uh, by a vote of 40 to zero Uh, That's that's and that's 40 solid. Yes votes. That's not people abstaining. That's That's Solid yes votes. So uh, it has cleared the Kansas State Senate. It now goes on to the house uh, waiting for committee assignments. And so there'll be some more more steps in this process, but um, that's just, I, I am just happy to pass that along.
1: It's encouraging news, it yeah.
2: is. And uh, yeah, there's some people in Kansas that are working pretty hard to make this happen. And I'm, I'm happy to uh, be uh, uh, a part of helping them out. So any that's anything awesome. that we can contribute, it feels great to, to help yes. out there. Ah, looking forward to next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, there, uh, of course, the New York bill is going to be uh, moving to uh, a committee, I believe. Okay. Then there is a, uh, another, Rhode Island's budget is out. Oh. Um, it is, uh, it, you have to look in the finance committee. Right and uh, you have to see look on their agenda for Wednesday the 22nd I haven't gotten this out yet because it's Friday and nobody nobody everybody kind of checks out at like six o'clock eastern on Friday so uh, oh, yeah not, not... it's
1: also St. Patrick's Day <laughs> so
2: it's St. Patrick's so I should actually delay putting this out until probably one or two o'clock tomorrow once everybody's overcome their hangovers okay. um, but uh, so yeah I'm not going to do anything with this until tomorrow but um, okay. if, if you look, if anybody is bored on St. Patrick's Day, like me, um, I don't drink, so it's not, and, and I, whatever, Irish people are not all drunks. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, the uh, uh, House Finance Committee is meeting on Wednesday about this. So look under, if you, if you just Google Rhode Island House Finance Committee, you'll find their schedule and, and look on the agenda. This is, we are in Article 8, Section 8 of the budget and um, this is an 80% wholesale tax. Um, Yeah, so that will be something that we'll be engaging on. Um, The other thing, I believe Montana is looking at a 74% wholesale tax, Montana. Um, And I believe they're also raising their tax on smokeless tobacco. Um, It subjects it to, uh, I think it's a 74% wholesale tax or the tax, whichever is greater of the two, the 74% wholesale tax or the um, tax applied to a pack of cigarettes. If I remember that correctly, I'll get more details on that. But um, it is, I believe, effectively a raise. Um, So Rhode Island, Montana, I'm almost... Positive. I'm forgetting something. Um, I did. Uh, vape showcase. Yeah. I'll be in Atlanta. Um, uh, Uh, that, that happens on Saturday and Sunday. So if you're in, in the Atlanta area or are traveling to vapor showcase, um, Come seek us out. The plan is, um, to, uh, for me, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not going to talk about any of the other groups that may or may not be there. I'm hoping that everybody is there. Right. Um, and I know that we you know, the GSFA is active in in, in Georgia um, So I hope that they're able to, to attend and, and put something together with us yeah. um, I, I just haven't spoken to anybody yet, but that is in the works and um, so hopefully they're there um, but one of the things that I'll be I'll be doing is is uh, we're hoping to get kind of a, a an area with tables and chairs and um, would like to get people to um, sign letters uh, with you know, much like what I was describing with the the New York retailer is, you know, mm-hmm. we'll have a, a message and a nice blank space for you to personalize your message, sign your name, and then we're going to be helping people look up their representatives and and put them in some envelopes. And um, you know, I have rolls of I have I have like one of those like 500 rolls of stamps, nice. or is it 100? Um,
1: well, you a coil know, of 100. Can, so people can come down and help you find out 100, 500. You
2: know, yeah. Find out. Yeah, it's written real small. I just found it, so um, you awesome. can come down and find out the surprise. Is it a hundred? Is it a roll of hundred, or is it a roll of five yeah. hundred? Um, that'll be that'll be your little surprise. Um, <clears throat> it may also be a surprise to some. I, well, it was really interesting. The last Vapor showcase I was at, we I did the thank you Ron Johnson campaign, mm-hmm. and there was a couple people. It was actually kind of amazing. They didn't. They were not. They didn't know how to address an envelope. Um, which I thought was very, it was very sign of the times, you know, uh-huh. like oh, yeah. I, I understand people not knowing what, you know, mm-hmm. um, what a cassette tape looks like or who the <laughs> Beatles are, um, really? but, you know, addressing an envelope is one of those things that's supposed to be kind of timeless, so. See, um, you
1: know, I, I, I expect people to know, most of the kids I know are hipsters. Kids, you know, they're hipsters, they're all into that back, way back when stuff.
2: So they're they're addressing like artisanal envelopes.
1: I I don't know. I'm just saying. You know, they've seen cassette tapes. They know what they are. They know who the Beatles are. You know. They of course. Dress, they dress funny and they they you know mom jeans and all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. That, no. There's a there's a significant portion of the population that uh, you know has has never really. Grown up in that age of addressing envelopes or being pen pals or anything like that, so that's always interesting. So maybe you know, if you don't know how to ad- address an envelope, come on down. Um, we're I don't bite, and and it's fun. You get to do things on an envelope and send it in the mail and experience the magic of the United States Postal Service. Um,
1: experience the magic of snail mail.
2: I can. <laughs> that should be their motto. If they're, if it, I don't know why the USPS is failing. It is magical. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, come on down and participate in that, um, and, and we'll be there. Um, handwritten letters do make an impression, and yes. we're going to be, <clears throat> my, my plan is to, to send uh, letters to Congress members to support H.R. 1136. And I believe we will also be sending letters to Secretary Price, um, urging him to take some uh, executive action on, um, on the deeming regulations. Um, uh, You know, one of the uh, potential avenues is asking for the FDA to delay implementation of these, you know, the various stages, just delay it, delay implementing the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, let's, let's give, let's give these companies an opportunity to, to catch their breath. And, and, you know, let's also give, uh, let's get the product the time for, you know, science to come out and right. and support these things. you know when the deeming regulations were announced even the the time frame that they gave manufacturers to submit pmta's the the science the type of science the, the types of the different studies that they had to get done yeah. there was no way for that no, to heard... get done in 2 years no that's, that's just totally it's not. it's not possible so um so yeah it, it that that's my understanding of it anyway and um, so the, the the amount of time that, that people have to get applications in, regardless of, of whether we're talking about a different regulatory scheme, you know what what will the pre-market tobacco application process look like for mod- for for low risk products right. if we're talking about that changing, um, you know what what's going to be required of people to get that in and right. you know there's just there's so many questions with, how, what's the appropriate way for, for the U.S. government to regulate this? And we can all throw out the whole, you know, oh, will regulate like another consumer product, this and that. That's fine. And, right. and I get it. But, you know, the, the pe- people that are in power and, 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 you know, we still have a formidable opponent in the anti-nicotine, anti-smoking crowd. Oh, yeah. uh, we, we can't discount them. And they are, you know, if anything happens, if anything moves the needle in our favor, Uh those voices are going to rise up and they, they are entrenched. There are many, many of them. They are well-organized. They've been doing this for decades.
1: A lot of money behind them.
2: They have tons and tons of money. So um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting, I don't want to say fight. It'll be an interesting discussion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We'll call it that discussion. I like that. It's a very
2: very public and very loud discussion. Um, So, yeah. Um, So, yeah, we'll be working on that. Okay. I did also want to mention, um, I I was trying to track this down. It was posted in the We Are Facebook group. Okay. Um, And, um, yeah, here it is. Uh, Brian Foydick. Wrote an article for um, Reason, Reason Foundation, uh, sort of a center-right think tank type of group. Uh, and many people may not know that there is a, um, a proposed rule from FDA uh, re- oh, yes. regarding smokeless tobacco, oh, and uh, it, is, it is a regulation of NNN levels, which oh, yeah. uh, I forget what NNN stands for. It's oh, it's N the- N. N. I'm going to try to pronounce this. N-nitrosornicotine. Yeah. N-nitrosornicotine, yeah. uh, which has been, uh, I believe, determined to be carcinogenic. Right. Um, and it and it is it is a a, a, a naturally occurring element, chemical, whatever in tobacco. Um, but
1: it's nitrosamines are in everything. <clears throat> Child's balloons. They're in hot dogs, they're in bacon, they're in eggs. Nitrosamines are in dang near everything on planet Earth. So
2: yeah. Um and and <clears throat> like anything, um, there is an acceptable level yes, <laughs> of, exactly. of nitro of nitrosino and nitros- nor- nicotine. Um, there, there's an acceptable level of, of this stuff, you know, that's, that's not going to, you know, you would have to, you, you would have to live until, I don't know what, 130, 150 years old, you something like that. that yeah. yeah. That's not a solid number, but you would have to live well beyond the expected, you know, life expectancy in order to develop some sort of d- disease associated right. with, with using some, mm-hmm. you know, the low nit- nitrosamine products, right. such as, you know, modern, american moist snuff or, or you know the the dip or whatever uh, sure. and also All that um you know snus swedish snus is already you know very low nitrosamine well it is uh, it's content. because they,
1: they pasteurize it i mean and they pasteurize but to keep it that way they have to salt it you know what i mean i don't think american smokeless tobacco is going to taste um, nearly the same as it, as, as Swedish. In fact, oh, I it does. Would, yeah, it doesn't. I, would be, I, I can tell you, I, I know it doesn't. I already know it doesn't. There are two different animals.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I've, i I was never really a big fan of American smokeless. Um, it, it, it is a bit harsh for me. I use it for a little bit. I actually used it for a little bit to cut back on smoking. Um, yeah. And, uh, and it was just, I, I still, after I was done, I just wanted a cigarette. Um, to me that, it's that too, was my it's, life
1: it's, it's way too sweet it's it's almost like they pour molasses in it i can't handle it
2: uh, i don't i don't mind the sweetness I'm, I'm using something I do. i'm using something swedish that's uh raspberry flavored and i'm enjoying it oh i li-
1: i love <laughs> i love gotland's apple and that's not what it's called but that's the easiest That's good cuz can... we
2: shouldn't give product endorsements while we're on the air
1: no um, and I, I, it's it's the easiest <laughs> way i can describe it as yeah.
2: I like apple flavored Swedish snooze. Yeah. So um, uh, the proposal from FDA is to limit the level of these NNN, right? Uh, yeah, to one microgram or less. And Brian article has written in Brian Foydick.
1: Foydick has written a great article.
2: Brian article has written a great Foydick on this. <laughs> Um, Brian Foydick has written a pretty good article on this. It came out uh, last week, uh, and I recommend people uh, hunting that down. If you're keeping score at home, the title is "The Proposed Tobacco Product Standard for NN le- NNN Levels Level in Smokeless Tobacco Should Be Withdrawn." Um, and there's a couple of things that, for the reason, I mean, just the the science behind it yes. is is flawed. Um, the, and and this. Basically, smokeless tobacco would be facing the same thing that, relatively, the same thing that vaping is facing. Oh, yes. um, this this would effectively be a ban of smokeless tobacco products. Oh yeah. Um, yes. The 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 level is so low that, uh, that it's just an unreasonable standard. It's, um, it's
1: almost unattainable.
2: And it's and like it offers
1: technology. Yeah.
2: You know, for the for the cost of of wiping out a product category. Um, it, it offers no substantive public health benefit uh, in fact arguably this would there are there are millions of people that use smokeless tobacco as an alternative to smoking so um it, you know it's the same argument applies this would you know people would would still if, if your only option is cigarettes that's that's what people are going to go to yeah, um exactly. and and it's uh, going
1: to cause public harm I, I i can't understand the reason that.
2: Yeah. So, um, some really good perspective. We don't get to talk about smokeless tobacco that much, um, but, uh, it it is certainly a part of our, uh, mission. And, um, so I I recommend people seeking that out and reading it. And if you're already a member of our, we are Casa group, um, it's posted in there and definitely check it out. (sighs) I think that's it.
1: (laughs) Okay. We will see you next week. Well, maybe next week, maybe not. It'll be a mystery, just like the people coming down to check out your rolls of stamps at page showcase. Yeah. Okay. Thank
2: Come on down. Check out the rolls yes. of stamps. It'll be exciting.
1: It'll be good. We'll we'll address envelopes and uh, learn a new skill.
2: It will be great. I don't know. I mean, I, I I've asked several people about this, but you know, do you remember like when you were in high school? Like, did you know? Did you guys get together and like? I, I, we had an Amnesty International Club yeah, when I was in exactly. high school, and we, we would we would get we'd together right around lunch or whatever free period we had, and we'd send letters to, you know, Are dictators we that? that were holding political prisoners.
1: prisoners. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we did that. We used to, you know, political prisoners. We did that. We, um, you know, we also had, like, Dungeons and Dragons group when I was a kid, too, so. <laughs> were, you,
2: were you sending letters to... far off yes. far
1: off yes no i'm kidding but i'm just saying i mean those were things we did i don't think those are things that kids today do yeah it's it's a different time
2: so yeah come on down there's a bit of you know there's a bit of camaraderie there and and sitting down and and putting pen to paper and you know joining in the fight so
1: it is it's awesome it it makes you feel like you've done something
2: yeah and you and you are it, you it are. makes it makes an impression. So I'm excited.
1: I'm excited for you. <laughs> have, have a great time at Vapor Showcase, Alex, and maybe we'll see you next week. Maybe yeah, I'll,
2: I'll try. It. I'll I'll try to make it.
1: Okay. Have a great night. Thank you for everything you do for us, Alex. Yep. And have I'll a good weekend. You. Okay. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye. Before you stop recording, very. <laughs> You can get CASA updates at org. You can get CASA updates um, from SoundCloud. You can subscribe on iTunes for CASA updates and get them there. Um, now we can stop recording. Hi, Margo. Are you there? I am. Hi, Margo. Welcome back. Hi. It's been I so know long. it's it's been forever! It has. Um, okay, Well, welcome to the anti Nanny portion of the show. With me tonight is Marco Gardner, and of course, the very best producer that money can't buy, which is good because after four years I'm still not paying him. Hi, Barry, how are you this evening?
3: I'm good. Uh, You're good. Yeah, upcoming week is Global Forum for Nicotine Dialogues Week, so... Oh. I've got a wee conference to go to.
1: Yeah, you do, and you've got film to take because I definitely want to see
3: that. Oh, they film it anyway.
1: I know, I know, but it's different when you film it.
3: I'll get to hear Doctor Farsalinos <laughs> and meet him in person. That's
1: that's so really oh, cool. sweet. That's really cool.
3: I wonder if I'll be able to get a word in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he has a lot to say. Uh, that's a good thing. Um. So. I don't even, I'm not even anywhere near ready. Uh, So what has been going on with you, Margo? Tell me about the weather.
4: Well, one day (laughs) it's 85 and the air conditioner's on. The next day, the fireplace is roaring and we've got microscopic snowflakes. Today happens to be knocking on 80. Steve's been doing yard work today. So uh, uh, typical winter slash spring in the Southwest Missouri. <laughs>
1: um, here it was like 28 this morning. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. The past couple of days, the arthritis in my shoulder has been so bad. I've barely been able to move it. Yeah, it's it's been pretty terrible. And I can't believe it's been so freaking cold. I come home and it's so cold where I work. I can see my breath. I work in a fucking grocery store. I'm like, turn on the damn heat. I know it's Florida, but Jesus, turn on the heat. I That's complain. spooky
4: that it got that cold there.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, it's it's screwy. It, it's like everything flipped. You know what I mean? Climate-wise, it was very, very strange. It's starting to warm up a little now, which is nice. But, uh, you know, it, it, it our winter is like three or four days long at most. So this year was... Um,
3: the past couple of days has been a massive shock to the system. So cold, I'll never get used to that. I'm I'm, I'm wearing t shirts. It's really weird here. Of course you here.
1: are, and it's it's what negative twenty Celsius where you are?
3: No. Yeah. No. Right. It's what? to give people an idea how mild it is the winters now okay. in Scotland. Okay, it's the south okay. of Scotland, but uh-huh. it's eight and a half degrees Celsius outside, and it's twenty to eleven at night.
1: Okay, can you do a Celsius to Fahrenheit conversion? No. No. <laughs>
3: my computer can, but I can't.
1: Could Could you do that, Horace? Just hang on. I, mean, I could do it in my head, but I'm still trying to transcribe the last things that Alex said without making a lot of noise.
3: Forty-seven point <laughs> three Fahrenheit.
1: So it's like, wow, that that is that is crazy, mild. Yeah. Wow.
3: Summer's it's, it's early. Been... Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, but
4: you had some snow, very.
3: Yeah, it melted in day in a couple of days though.
4: At least you had some.
1: <laughs> I didn't have any. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry.
3: I
4: need to relocate to Canada or something. What
3: well, you like snow that much?
1: I well, love they're, snow. They're getting they're less pri- as they're, well, so. They're, yeah. they're, their Prime Minister at least is nice to look at <laughs> I'm sorry you've seen <laughs> him my god Just Justin Trudeau <gasps> oh my god <laughs> All right, we have Donald Trump and Mike Pence Mike Pence who is do you remember watching King of the Hill yeah okay I think Mike Pence is Hank Hill's dad
4: <laughs> good comparison
1: he looks just
4: like him. Very good comparison. Frightening. <laughs> and
3: Margot, and Margot, Margo, if if you like cold snowy weather that much, you 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 should have come to the UK and signed up with the all women team who are walking across Antarctica.
4: Well, the Antarctica going a little bit much. Um because but you like I like snow enjoy and season. ice and and I wouldn't do that polar bear swim shit either
3: (laughs) well make up your mind do you like it or not
1: she likes looking at it she doesn't want to live in it
4: well (laughs) and I don't mind living in it from time to time I just wouldn't (laughs) want it all the time
1: oh who could blame you I like seasons yeah I don't blame you at all um so I'm looking at
3: the show notes here. Does anybody want to pick one? Or would you like? I to abrogate since? all picks to Margot since she hasn't been on for ages.
1: Okay.
4: <laughs> well, then let's throw this out for Jeannie, and it's actually the first one because I I kind of had <laughs> to laugh and, and wondered, are are we going to be able to smile during this process?
1: Um, I got to tell you. I, <laughs> i am not impressed you know i haven't flown since the tsa has been implemented i've I've traveled other ways i like trains now um they're quite trains amazing.
4: are so cool
1: yeah they it's it's an experience you don't get with most modern travel most modern travel you're kind of crammed in like a sardine this you can kind of walk around you can eat you can work if you're going to you know me you can sleep if you're willing to spend the money for that you know not in a sitting straight up car it it really is a different experience it's a throwback to the old world really better days uh, i don't know about better days i mean you know depending on what kind of train you're on you're going to see some really um interesting folks
2: (laughs) and you'll see some
1: real interesting parts of the country but uh yeah it's different than uh plane travel I, i find plane travel is very taxing on the body Um,
4: I've I've been on a plane twice where I've had to deal with TSA and the last time I swore I would never step foot in Denver's airport again as long as I live um yeah uh I I think the ghost of Jeannie was with me or something because it was evil
1: (laughs) I've got to tell you I, I one of my friends came down to visit me we dropped her off an hour before she was supposed to go home and She always had, like, her passport around her neck. She was, she's, like, a a well-traveled person. Um, TSA detained her, and she almost missed her flight for, like, an hour. Here's a poor handicapped woman with a cane, you know, and TSA's patting her down, asking her all kinds of questions. I'm like, really?
4: Well, and they don't catch a lot of shit either. That You know, you look at some of the studies where they've tested them, and half the crap gets through.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, well, they've got the best and the brightest that they could get off a Domino's pizza box, because that's how they advertise for help. Okay. TSA warns local police about its new airport, Pat Downs. For more good news, a universal comprehensive search may prompt passenger complaints to law enforcement. Well, why would it? It's only sexual assault. The U.S. Transportation Security Administration has declined to say exactly where and how, Employees will be touching air travelers as part of the more invasive physical pat-down procedure it recently ordered. But the agency does expect some passengers to consider the examination unusual. In fact, the TSA decided to inform local police in case anyone calls to report an abnormal federal frisking, according to a memo from an airport trade association obtained by Bloomberg News. The physical search for those selected to have one, is what the agency described as a more comprehensive screening, replacing five separate kinds of pat-downs that it had previously used. The decision to alert local law enforcement and airport police raises the question of how intimate the agency's employees may get. On its website, the TSA says employees use the back of the hands for pat-downs over sensitive areas of the body. In limited cases, additional screening involved a sensitive pat-down area with the front of the hand and may be needed to determine that a threat does not exist now security screeners will use the front of their hands on a passenger in a private screening area if one of the prior screening methods indicates the presence of explosives according to a security notice that the airport's council international north america sent its u.s members following a march 1 conference with tsa officials due to this change tsa asked fsd field security detectors to contact Airport law enforcement and brief them on the procedures in case they're notified that a passenger believes a TSA employee has subjected them to an abnormal screening practice, ACI wrote. The TSA screens about 2 million people daily at U.S. airports. The agency says it doesn't track how many passengers are subject to pat down searches. Those searches typically occur when an imaging scanner detects one or more unknown objects on a person or if a traveler declines to walk through the machine and opts for a physical screening. Passengers who have not previously experienced the now standardized pat-down screening may not realize that they did, in fact, receive correct procedure and may ask our partners, including law enforcement at the airport, about the procedure. TSA spokesman Bruce Anderson wrote in a March 3rd email describing why the agency (coughs) notified police. The pat-down change, first reported Friday by Bloomberg News, is intended to reduce the cognitive burden on employees who previously had to choose from various pat-down procedures depending on the type of screening lane the ACI and a letter wrote in its notice. "Uh, Physical screening has long been part of the public's strongest dislikes about airport security protocols. The TSA has all pat-downs conducted by employees of the same gender as the traveler and allows a passenger to request a private area for screening as well to have a witness present. Likewise, the traveler can request that the pat-down occur in public view. The TSA won't reveal specific procedures on how its pat-downs are conducted and the general information on its website knowing our specific procedures could aid those who wish to do travelers harm in evading our measures anderson said but the tsa's calls to police were an effort to provide local law enforcement situational awareness about the new pat down method christopher bidwell aci-na's vice president of security said in interview saturday us airports have not expressed any reservations or concerns about the pat down change the association said we appreciate our partner, the TSA, providing us information about these universal pat downs and the standardization. That we'll you know, really,
3: I've got a couple of things. One, okay, one, oh, I've got lots if, too. if Go you're, ahead. If, you're queuing, <laughs> if you're queuing for TSA, start singing Rocky Horrors, Touch a Touch a Touch Me, <laughs> uh, and to cognitive burden, really. So this is them openly admitting their staff are stupid.
1: Well, you know, probably not stupid enough to take their iPhone into the tub with them, but pretty stupid.
4: So do we have to pay for this, or can we just tip?
1: You know, I don't know, but <laughs> if somebody's going to somebody's gonna touch me like that, and somebody of the same sex, they better be damn attractive. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, you better I, get you know, a
3: phone number as well, you know.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. If you're touching me like that, we should be going out on a date.
3: Dinner. At the very wine. least. Yeah, yeah
1: I, shouldn't I get dinner and a movie for this? Because, you know, in high school, it was at least a burger and, you know, the drive-in. And a okay, cherry mom. limeade. Something. You know, something. Yeah. Pop, popcorn and, you know, popcorn and movie. Something. You know, just not this, you know, wham, bam, next. Come on this is ridiculous this is ridiculous repeat after me i'm still free (laughs) i live in the freest country in the world as long as i don't fly at the fucking airport yeah isn't that a crock of shit airports suck um i i don't know i haven't been to one in years and years and years and years and it's funny too because everybody's like oh come to this vape event yeah no does that involve flying yes no
3: they don't that all shock. Some of them blow.
1: <laughs> I think they bite, suck, and blow all at once. I think they just defy the laws of physics in, in the known universe. I, I, Why are we still doing this?
4: When Steve and we... I went to uh, VaporCon in Richmond, right? he took over a week of vacation. It took us three days to drive there. We were there for two. Then we turned around and drove for three to come home because I wasn't going to fly it.
1: I don't blame you. I don't blame yeah. you at all. That is, It's ridiculous. There is absolutely no reason why this is still happening.
3: And I've put a link to the song lyrics in chat. Just
1: oh, go. I was, you know, I was, I was going to suggest Touch Me by the Doors.
3: No, the Rocky Horror ones Jen will Morris freak about to much more. <laughs> I, no.
1: You know, if, Jim Morrison... Reincarnate Jim Morrison. I'm I'm there. <laughs> Jim, Jim, Jim Morrison like pre-building the shed over his favorite tool, maybe. I don't know. and I know everybody gets to that age, but I mean, you know, if, if you're going to grab me in public, you, you know. The last thing I want is like Monty Burns screening me, you know what I mean? Smithers? Yeah, I don't know. No, thank you. Or, you know, God knows what else. But you know they—you're not allowed to have someone of the opposite sex screen you. Takes all the fun out of it. <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. You I say like that, question but
3: question. if you've seen Deuce Bigalow. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I I like funny people, so Jack Black and Rob Schneider are not really you know, they're not, they're not total no's for me. Yeah, I know you needed to know that, right?
4: Um, Well, they make you laugh while they're doing all of this stuff. That's a a step in the right direction.
1: Honestly, yeah, I think the TSA should be taught to do a comedy routine before they pat you down. You know, at least make it entertaining because it it is security theater. So they should have to take theater classes.
3: And, exactly. and if they do do a full strip search, you should at least get a balloon animal. Well,
1: at the yeah, very least. Exactly. And chocolate. I don't know that you get chocolate, but I think if you have to go through a TSA pat-down, as soon as you get on the plane, they should be giving you complimentary drinks.
4: Or a few before.
1: Exactly. Yeah, we, you want to pat me down? Hang on a second. What are you doing? I'm going to drink these nips. So. I, I,
3: I have another idea, though. You, you know yeah. these you, you know these new scanners they're supposed to be bringing in that aren't x-ray machines. They're, they work more yeah. on ultrasound. And all right. airports were supposed to be getting them, so they didn't need to pat anybody down. How about they actually put those in the airports rather than all this? <laughs> oh uh,
1: yeah, that would be a way to go. Or you know, how about the the screening machines that all the TSA agents swear gave them cancer, that they put in the prison system? How about we just not use those at all anymore, yeah. ever, for any reason?
3: Yeah, but the the new three D scanners. I mean, yeah.
4: Yeah, those three D ultrasound scanners are pretty wild.
3: Well, they didn't pick up, uh, they didn't alter what density they are searching for. So literally, they can pick up like a disposable pen in your pocket, let alone knives, guns, explosives, which are much denser.
1: You know, has anybody ever seen that? Um, that guy—he has a YouTube channel, and he flies around. He goes to various airports around the country, and then he buys shop stuff at the duty-free shop, and he goes into the bathrooms, right? And he makes like guns out of things you can just randomly buy at the the shops. Have not seen this. Have not seen that. That's pretty awesome. He doesn't make just guns. I've seen him make axes and and all sorts of stuff, just weapons, just out of random shit that they sell at the duty-free shop. So if the TSA and the government really want to keep us safe, then they shouldn't sell anything at the airports. No coffee, um, no nothing, no newspapers, no nothing. It should just be a gray utilitarian building with no windows, so it can't be attacked from the outside. One door, you go in, you stand there, you scream. Oh, much like going through an airport in Israel. If they were really serious about security, this is what they would be doing, especially in the major metropolitan areas where they are seemingly so paranoid about having a terrorist attack.
4: I've got some friends that the last time they flew out of Boston, right, they had um, one of them had gotten a bottle of water, and they were getting ready to board the plane, and they made them throw away. A bottle of water they had just bought inside
1: the fucking airport. Oh yeah, well that it might be a bomb. It might be a bomb. So throw yeah, it wrong, wrong side it. of the
3: security barrier. Sorry. Right.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
4: It then might be a bomb. water. Exactly. Go through it
3: might security by be- exactly the same bottle of water <laughs> <laughs> from the next stand. You see? Yeah.
1: It's ridiculous. I mean, and it's kind of like, come on now. My favorite thing is they take all the. Explosive liquids and throw them in one container all together. Yeah. Uh-huh. It might be a bomb. So throw it in this where, container where, all with of all, the all the other potential available. bombs. Yeah, all, flammable all the flammable stuff in one
3: place. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just the shit they do is just unbelievable, and the fact that they're still allowed to do it, you know. Um, the best so bit if I'd... it's a
3: if it's a terrorist who really knows his binary explosives. <clears throat> Right. you can take it in such small quantities they're never going to notice all all you need to take a plane down is a few grams of binary explosive and that's like less than probably a milliliter of each of the binaries and that'll blow a hole in the side of a plane
1: okay you know what the best part about this is i wasn't on enough government watch lists until just now
3: yellow cake <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've had plenty of those, so... Oh, <laughs> and,
3: right. and you don't even need to go binary. Just take some aluminium powder and iron filings.
1: Uh, yeah.
3: And okay. you can store them in mm-hmm. loads of ways. Uh, one off hand. Just, I'm just running with this. I just came up with this right now. Makeup just bags. Crap. You just have a... F- <laughs> powder compact... Have aluminium powder and iron powder and uh, some sort of piezo ignition. Uh, and there you go, thermite on the plane.
4: Oh, <laughs> for all U.S. officials listening to this podcast, <laughs> watch for the passport that says very boring. <laughs> that is the terrorist you need to watch for.
3: I did a lot of chemistry and physics. It's not my fault
1: this is all theoretical y'all yeah you're don't.
4: missing the point that's the name they'll be looking for on the passport <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> she's she's got a point, she's got a point. I'm, I'm the only one that's got my full name attached to this podcast you know so uh they'll just search for me and then they'll try to find you through me so that should be fun oh I use you, my real name oh you yeah but i don't put it in the show notes now, your name is Margot. Whatever your last name is, whatever your last name is. Oh. Uh,
3: I I would contest minute. that I use my real name. Yes. Your name is boring. what most people know you by. Yes.
1: As far as the audience
3: and anyone on the internet knows, very boring is my name. So, his name is
1: very boring. <laughs> that's it's funny because Fight Club. I'm sorry. I just I went back there. I couldn't help it. So I read a movie review of Fight Club the other day and it was saying that it was horrible, awful, juvenile drivel, only believable by idiots. I'm like, that was actually a really good film. It's a commentary on capitalism and corporatism and America and what it does with its poor and the banks. I I don't think it was that far-fetched at all. And the book was much better. Um, Okay, so, sorry. We went from explosives to fight club to, oh yeah, I'm not on any lists at all. Okay. Um, I'm picking this one. You can see it in the show notes if you pop up on the working doc. Uh, Trump wants NSA program reauthorized, but won't tell Congress how many Americans it spies on. It's shocking, right? <laughs> yeah. because, because he should know that, right? You know, since he, he he says he knows that Obama tapped his phone.
3: Well, do you... And and, and, and he tried to drag us into it as well.
1: Well, honestly, I mean. First,
3: the- first time in history, GCHQ has actually released a public statement on something.
1: Well, GCHQ shouldn't have had to. but And here's the thing it could have been any of the five eyes, for fuck's sake.
3: Yeah.
1: You know, and it's not. Merkel just that. did
3: not look happy today.
1: <laughs> well, you know, he's saying this, he's getting his newscasts from Alex Jones
3: actually said today you know i I never said it was gchq it was some guy on fox news
1: it wasn't some guy on fox news it was they talked about how you could legally do that without doing it and they said well one way would be to involve one of the five eyes yeah one of the five eyes for instance gchq then there wouldn't be any record that you asked for this to happen
3: and then Spicer.
1: Of course, yeah. I did he...
3: one and one and got six. Uh... Oh
1: my god, did you see the... St- okay, so, Sean Spicer, someone, A, needs to teach the man to dress, B, needs to give him... He needs a tranquilizer and possibly shock treatments before he goes out there and
3: talks. I think, I think opium. Give him a wee he... opium pipe, he'll be fine.
1: <laughs> he really just... He, he, he looks like he's going to have a stroke every time he gets up there. But anyway, yesterday... The best part of Sean Spicer was he wore a bright green tie. Bright green. What happens when you wear bright green and you're on TV? What can happen with that? What can happen with bright green?
3: Was he strobing TV? a little?
1: He was not strobing. People got the footage and then they projected whatever they wanted on the tie.
3: All right. Do you enjoy that with any color though? People yeah, but on uh,
1: bright green, but that bright lime neon green that they do when they shoot different things for films. Yeah. That was the color that was. Not a good idea. And people were like, hey, it's green screen, you know, and they went kind of nuts with it. So someone A needs to teach the man a dress, how to dress. Um possibly give him a nervine. He could use a nervine before he gets out there to speak. He, he looks worse every day. Have you seen him at all? Margot have you ever seen that? Podcast?
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. He, he looks yeah. Worse. He he. But,
4: can can you imagine a much worse job to have right now?
1: You know, and they're trying to replace him and nobody will take the job. So I as, feel sorry he, for him. As he gets more and more, he gets more and more like tweak from South Park every time I see him. Well, is he, yeah, it, like tweak.
3: It's added pressure as, on him because nobody'll take the job as.
1: That's my character. Yeah. I love Tweak. I can't handle the pressure. Um, <laughs> yeah, is, as Sean Spicer gets more and more like Tweak, less and less people want to sign up for the job.
3: So well, yeah, I mean like, they don't have a they don't have a. I mean who, who he's are just they gonna, he's
1: who are they gonna?
3: He's just really? a White House announcer, basically. He right,
1: Trump still doesn't gonna, have an
3: actual press secretary.
1: I mean, who the hell else are they gonna put out there? Hatchet face, <laughs> Conway, you know, just the lady who makes statements that are so fucked up and half-assed and confusing that you're going, did she say that people are spying on people through their microwaves? Okay, look, there's proof of concept that microwave technology can be used to spy on you from the outside, from the air. MIT has written a lot of papers on it. They're quite interesting. And the yeah, to do with imaging picking up technology.
3: vibrations and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: The imaging technology is really, really interesting. Um, if you like cameras at all, you'll have seen this written about in the past five years or so. So I'm like, did she mean like literally his Sanyo microwave was spying on him or microwaves? I can't tell. She's so poorly educated and got a half-ass half-story that she shouldn't be allowed to speak and yet i can see if spicer actually has the nervous breakdown i'm predicting he has where she would be his press secretary she, she would have to nobody else could, would do it
3: yeah i think i think uh give it a few weeks they'll all be coming out with like magneto helmets on <laughs> stop the people spying on them mm.
1: uh, you know what it's spying is just a fact of life unfortunately Unfortunately, you know where it is, and you try to make it the only way to stop spying is to make it cost prohibitive, right? So everybody would have to be using the applications to stop that sort of thing on their phones and in their emails. And, you know, yes, it makes you stand out in a pattern. Um, yes, it makes you twice as likely to be surveilled, but if you can get one more person to do it and they can get one more person to do it, Eventually, it's going to be so cost prohibitive that no government's going to be able to trace you and you'll be free again. Um, that's the plan, anyway, and it's the only one that makes sense in my mind. There is no other way to stop it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no other way to stop it unless everybody goes broke. Okay. Yep. So we well, I went off on a who shiny moment and uh, back to Trump once NSA program are authorized, but won't tell Congress how many Americans it spies on. Okay, the White House wants Congress to reauthorize two of the NSA's largest surveillance programs before they expire at the end of the year. One of them scans the traffic that passes through the massive internet cables going in and out of the U.S. and ends up catching a vast number of American communications in its dragnet. But how many? Lawmakers have been asking for years, and the intelligence community has consistently refused to provide even a ballpark figure. At a hearing of House Judiciary Committee on Wednesday, several members expressed frustration that intelligence chiefs, first under Obama, and now under Trump, have failed to provide any kind of estimate, even in classified briefings. The members of this committee and the public at large require that estimate to engage in a meaningful debate, said Representative John Conyers, Democrat of Michigan, the leading Democrat on the committee. We will not simply take the government's word on the size of the so-called incidental collection. Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which lapses at the end of the year, allows the NSA to collect vast amounts of domestic internet traffic as long as it maintains it's only targeting foreigners. Documents provided to the NSA by whistleblower Edward Snowden describe two huge surveillance programs that operate under its authority. One program, PRISM, allows the NSA to collect data in bulk from tech companies like Google, Facebook, and Apple. The other program, Upstream, allows the NSA to tap the massive internet cables that carry information in and out of the US and search for communications involving certain foreign targets or selectors. As the NSA scans the cables for information on its targets, it also collects information on Americans those targets are communicating with as well as entirely unrelated information such as communications from the people who happen to be in the same chat room as a target. Furthermore, the targets can be selected for any number for any foreign intelligence purpose, not just counterterrorism. As a result, the NSA ends up collecting information on a huge number of US persons without getting a warrant collection they described as incidental, but really, really is inevitable. and what critics call the backdoor loophole, law enforcement officials then search through that material for information on Americans. That collection of Americans is part of how the law was designed, according to Elizabeth Gottlieb, a lawyer for the Brennan Center for Justice. Incidentally, is the terminology used by the government. Gottlieb testified at a Wednesday hearing, but it's part of the design of the program to acquire communications of foreign targets with Americans. The issue of incidental collection has come into the spotlight in the past week since Trump's inauguration. Last month, anonymous members of the intelligence community leaked information about phone calls between the Russian ambassador, who was understandably targeted for surveillance, and Trump's former national security advisor, Michael Flynn. Flynn resigned. Flynn's resignation spooked some Republicans who worried about that ability being used improperly. Whatever your political persuasion is, for me it had a chilling effect, said representative paul labrador republican of idaho of course it did because you know it's okay when you do it to us just nothing happens to you fuckers my my political opponents could use my personal information that they may be gathered in some private information against me in the future that should be quite terrifying to anyone whether you're a republican or a democrat Coyers, along with a bipartisan group of 14 Democrats and Republicans, sent a letter to the Director of National Security in April last year asking for simply a rough estimate of how many Americans had their communications collected. Coyers sent a follow-up letter in December. The intelligence community has not so much as responded to our December letter, Coyers said Wednesday. I'd hope for better. Senator Ron Wyden, Democrat of Oregon, first requested an estimate in 2011, even more this, before the Snowden disclosures demonstrated the reach of the surveillance programs. The Federal Privacy and Civil Liberties Oversight Board recommended in 2014 that the NSA start keeping track of the number. In 2015, more than 30 civil liberties organizations wrote a letter to the Intelligence Community's Civil Liberties Protection's Office demanding the same thing and got an unresponsive reply. The Intelligence Community insists it doesn't keep track, in part because doing so would require it to identify which phone numbers and computer IP addresses belong to American citizens. April Doss, a former NSA lawyer, told the committee that it would require the NSA to de-anonymize everyone in their communications. In my view, the collection and maintenance of that information would itself pose significant impacts to privacy, she said. But Gottlieb noted that the NSA already uses computer IP addresses to approximate who is a US citizen for other purposes, so it'd be easy for them to estimate how how many American communications they collected the NSA has determined that the IP address is an accurate enough indicator of a person's status to use it to filter out the wholly domestic communications that the NSA is prohibited from acquiring, she testified. "If It's accurate enough to enable the NSA to comply with that constitutional obligation, then it's certainly accurate enough for the estimate. So the answer is we don't know.
3: And they're never going to tell anyone. Yeah.
4: Right now, probably wouldn't be a good time to announce. I was thinking of changing my name to Natasha.
1: (laughs) You know, okay. So, what the fuck is it with the Russian stuff? (laughs) I mean, is
4: it they're not doing anything different than they've always done, and they've got a
1: no, no, no. I'm talking about John. I'm senile out of my brain, McCain. Oh, has he
4: not slipped a freaking nut?
1: (laughs) I'm talking about him standing up in Congress, pointing at Rand Paul leaving after Rand Paul objected to his bill and screaming on C-SPAN. He's working with the Russians. Okay.
4: Steve Steve ran across something somewhere that apparently there's some proof McCain's been getting money from Soros.
1: Um, I found that rather interesting. I I don't doubt it. But anyway, so it gets better. So John McCain gets on Twitter and gets in a shit fight with Rand Paul and starts screaming about the Russians again. Rand Paul's account tweets something in Russian. Guess what it said? What? See you in court. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, That guy needed to retire years ago. Uh, the minute the the pictures came out of the war hero with you know members of the Mujahideen that's what they still call themselves the Mujahideen um who are IS and ISIS and all those people the minute pictures of him came out with those people he needed to be censured and removed immediately from his job yeah and the worst part is, I mean, I wish that were the worst part. It's not. There's actual footage of him on Syrian television um, trying to get the rebels stoked up. I, it, oh, it's ridiculous. Shit. Why in the fuck is this man still out in Congress? I don't. He's not doing anything for American citizens. He's actively working against our interests. He's know? definitely
4: and, slipped a nut, and it makes no sense that the the bulk of the Republican Party haven't spoke up about it.
1: I don't know. I think no. looking at what they've got to go with, right? And and I I see some sources citing that Hillary Clinton now is backing our worst nightmare, his vice president. They want him to get impeached, which I've looked at some of the stuff he's done that's probably probable um some of the things he's done and said it looks probable for impeachment if somebody has the balls to go through with it um and then we would have god help us all you're stuck with mike pence
4: then what a nightmare
1: yeah what a fucking nightmare i swear to god when they go to pick vice presidents they go you know who's the best assassination insurance mike pence because nobody wants to have a government that's completely secular can you imagine can you imagine what a nightmare that would be for women for one thing uh people who aren't white for another and people who aren't evangelical christians for another can you imagine what kind of world we'd be living in at that point
4: nightmare doesn't even touch it
1: yeah you know gary johnson was at least a harmless kook. Um, at, at least Gary Johnson was a harmless kook, and, and the idea of Mike Pence running things scares the shit out of me. I got not oh, yeah. say that. Yeah, oh, quite yeah. honestly. I, I really would rather not have Mike Pence in charge. I could go without Mike Pence running this country for the rest of my life. And then some. Yeah, exactly. See, Hi Jeremy, see, how are week,
3: you? Weeks ago, when I, I brought this up as This is probably the Republican plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You didn't want to think about it. Now it's looking more and more likely.
1: Well, I mean, you've noticed the Republicans aren't standing up and saying anything, right? Nope. They're, they're, They're consolidating together behind this wall. I bet you money they're going to try to get him impeached. They get him impeached. We have Mike fucking Pence. God help us all. Run this country. And I feel bad. Like I said, if you're not white, if you're not an evangelical Christian, I feel bad. And if you have mixed race kids or you have a spouse who's a different race, it's it's gonna be a completely different country for you. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it made Erica. me wonder. <laughs> Jeremy, how it are made... you?
0: Go ahead. I'm doing good. Um my connection is cutting in and out i keep getting red and voice connected green and yellow so comcast is not living up to its uh its agreements
1: comcast sucks comcast is one of the most hated things in this country besides congress (laughs) yeah i don't have a choice i have to have comcast too um
0: yeah i'll agree um, with that
1: yeah um, so we're just saying that uh, Mike Pence as president would kind of be a nightmarish scenario for everyday average people, even people who voted for Donald Trump. you know I really do think that would be interesting. It would be it would be interesting times and like the Chinese say <laughs> you live in interesting times but they mean it as a curse so. Just discussing the possibility, not cool. Uh, Margo, what it just, were you saying?
4: It, it makes me wonder, was the pool for Trump to pick from really so low that this was his best
1: option? Well, Trump, Trump picked Pence because Pence could bring in the evangelicals. Pence was also promised, not that this was widely publicized, I read it from multiple sources. One of the sources I really believe it from, Pence was promised when he got the job he would be in charge of foreign and domestic policy in the country. That he would be the most powerful evangelical Christian politician to ever live. He would basically be assuming the office of president because Trump wanted to travel and talk to groups of Americans and see how they live. This is what Trump really likes to do. You know, the everyday... Drudgery not his thing. I get right. that. um but the idea of him forming our domestic policy is kind of scary to me.
4: Beyond scary.
1: Yeah. Anyway, uh Jeremy, you want to pick one?
0: Um, give me one second to catch up with y'all. I came in kind of in the middle of it, I'm sorry.
1: That's okay. <clears throat> Well, then you missed the fun we had making a making of the, the TSA.
0: So yes, a I did, of, unfortunately.
1: Well, we had a lot of fun making fun of them because they were yeah, well. I don't know about Steve Bannon. Um, I find the idea of a man who says I'm a, I'm a Leninist scary. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know why Leninism is scary, right?
0: Um, well, I mean, besides the fact that it was the precursor to communism.
1: Well, Len- Leninism is scary because the political theory of Leninism is to build up the state, to destroy the state, to rebuild the state. What?
4: <laughs> Suicide on the installment
1: plan. I mean, pretty much. It's just kind of like what? And then everybody <clears throat> will be equal. No. No, that's that's one of the problems with communism. No one's ever really equal because someone always feels like there needs to be someone in charge, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, Bannon, Steve Bannon scares the shit out of me, y'all. And I am not an unreasonable person. You know, I have all kinds of beliefs that run contrary to everybody else's beliefs, but I think we can all agree on what's reasonable and what's unreasonable. Some of the stuff Steve Bannon proposes is completely unreasonable. Mike Pence is president completely unreasonable i I think that's a good starting point for everybody to be on the same page yeah so it's all it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt are they gonna
4: give us free alcohol and drugs with all these choices
1: no but they are going to make sure that the uh war on drugs marches on and by the way did anybody actually see the new budget you are paying for that border wall
0: well we knew that from the get-go oh of course we knew that from the get-go even when he said you know mexico's gonna pay for it and i'm gonna make them pay for it um no you you can't there's no way that you can make mexico pay for it it's 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 logistically impossible you you just you can't
1: the wall is a lovely idea have you ever seen the movie shikaru
0: Oh, I'll agree. The, the wall is a phenomenal idea. We definitely do need border security.
1: We need border um, security, but there, I, I think maybe drones, maybe arming our border security agents again would be good. Since, you know, basically Obama took everything away from them and left them with slingshots and orders to run. Um, you know, I think arming them again is a good way to go. I think drones at the border are excellent. I think that's an excellent way to go. I'm not so sure about a wall, only because of, like I said, have you seen the movie Sicario? Sicario. It, very pronounce it for me. Sicario. 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 Yes. I mean, you realize those tunnels that they've dug under Mexico? You can drive semi trailers through them. Mm, yeah. They're
3: well, you see they're
1: a beautiful piece of engineering. A wall is not going to stop that. A you?
3: wall is not needed at all. <laughs> um, back in the communist era, which looks like we're going back to, but yeah, back in the original <laughs> communist era, um, east-west Germany and all that, right, mm-hmm. so the Berlin Wall got all the, the attention, but mm-hmm. the rest of the border with the west, I mean, it, it was really hard to get across anywhere on the border because mm-hmm. they had minefields, I don't suggest minefields as an option, but one yeah. of the more interesting things was um, there's a particular type of seismic sensor, mm-hmm. and it can differentiate between different vibrations, like very, human footsteps, can, stuff like very,
1: very, that. We can have them set to drones up, ahead, up above that will release an earthquake bomb.
3: <laughs> it's a bit extreme. <laughs>
1: You think M- I'm kidding. Moabs are a bit exist. extreme. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But I'm just saying. Uh, you only you would only have to drop one or two of them. And then people would get the message.
3: Yeah, for, for people who don't know, after last week's show, I introduced uh, <laughs> Jan to the concept of... Uh, well, I, I showed her the work of Barnes Wallace and what it led to. Um, oh, good lord. That the, the mass ordnance devices. Was yeah
1: was crazy. That dude was crazy. Crazy.
3: When you really need so, a nuclear explosion, but don't want radiation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one of his is more interesting devices was the earthquake bomb, which yeah. at that point, the technology didn't exist to drop them. And he went, Oh, right. So I'll just invent that. Yeah. Scary dude. Scary.
3: Tall um, boy and grand slam bombs from world war two. That, that was what we yeah. created. Yeah. Big ass bombs. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was he was a fun man. All your weapons designers are, yeah. um. But if you're going to have security, there there are ways to do it, which a aren't so costly, and and b just back up your border security.
3: Yeah, I mean, and as you said, part- drones flying above, and you can have seismic sensors and laser trip wires on the border, rather than a big ass wall. Um, I mean,
1: there there are ways to do it that would be more cost-effective. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think a wall sends a statement in, and you you should be careful of the could, statement. They
3: could get the army, those those autonomous trucks from Grim Lake, yeah. to patrol the border. Yeah, well,
1: they've got them. there
3: the two... 50-caliber um, machine guns on the roof that tell people to stand back when they get too yeah. close to the fence. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean...
1: There are various ways you could deal with this. Uh, the, the problem I see with a wall is a wall keeps things out, a wall keeps you in, right? I don't know. I, I a, wall, a wall
3: is basically either something good to have in your house, or a psychological means of control. It's not much actually like, a physical barrier, despite much, what people think. Much
1: like, yeah, well, you get a ladder, you dig a tunnel, yeah. you have a shovel,
0: you have a, a ladder, you know, there
1: are always ways around it. Um, I we agree talk with... About,
0: we talk I about, agree with... I was going to say, I agree with very, you know, as long as you're going to put uh, the 50 cal machine guns up there and the um, the voice-activated warnings, so long as the voice is either exhibit or DMX, yo,
1: get back before I let the dogs out! <laughs> <laughs> I think honestly it's um we talk about psychological means of control right um there's there's danger in that it's like the tsa with their new enhanced screening methods so they're going to get super intimate with you and they've already told the police they're going to get super intimate with you they're going to pat you down in ways they've never done it before Oh, and by the way, you know, you'll probably have some sexual assault claims and stuff, but don't mind this, right? This is why I don't fly anymore. Um, I don't fly anymore because the TSA makes me feel less free. And I refuse to do anything that makes me feel less free.
0: I agree with you. I got, um, when I came back from this last business trip, when I was coming back from uh, Alabama, um, the TSA officer, one of them looked at me sideways when I told him, I said, I'm not going through the scanner. He said, what do you mean you're not going through the scanner? I said, I'm not going through, (laughs) I'm a state carded certified radiologist. I'm not going through that scanner. Well, what does that mean? Um, When I tell you that, you know, the average human being based on where you live in the world picks up between three to five, you know, MR a year, uh, well, actually, the, you know, the, the unit is R. Uh, when mm-hmm. you pick up 5R a year, when I pick up more than that, I can't work. So anything that's going to expose me to any type of ionizing radiation is no, a bad no. thing because my film badge goes through mm-hmm. the, the flights with me. Yeah. And I have to tell them specifically, this device cannot be x-rayed. And then I have to explain to them why, and they
3: because your machine yeah. will explode if you try. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I said if you x-ray this, I don't work, so you you can't x-ray this. It's a it's a film badge, no. and they just looked at me crazy. And the guys like, okay, now you know I'm gonna I'm gonna get all up and personal with you. I said, hey, that's fun. Uh, that's not a that's not a rocket in my pocket though, <laughs> so. You're you're
3: all about the rods, yeah.
1: I, um, as a child, I was hit by a car, fun story. And my back, hip, and pelvis were broken, and I spent a year laying in traction in a hospital. When I left, I limped. I limped every day for the next four years they x-rayed me constantly couldn't figure out what the fuck was wrong with me one day my mother looks at me and goes hey can you do me a favor i said yeah she said can you try walking without a limp and i just stopped limping i walked like that because everyone i saw leaving the hospital with the same injuries i did walked like that (laughs) and i thought that was how you were supposed to fucking walk so i was i was irradiated quite a lot as a child and as a consequence will choose less radiation every time. That's me. (laughs) But um, yeah, I I haven't flown in a long time. Like I said, if I'm going to go somewhere, I like Amtrak. It's it's a completely different experience. It's very expensive, (laughs) Um, but you get to see parts of the country you've never seen before. And you get to really relax and enjoy your trip, which is not an experience I've ever had on a flight. I think flights are long, and I I think they're very draining on the body. You fly a lot for work, Jeremy. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yes, I do. Um, If I had my choice between Mm -hmm. train travel or air travel, I would Mm -hmm. pick train travel every time. I don't care Mm -hmm. that it's a little bit slower or not. It's much more laid back. It's much more relaxed. I can actually sleep on a train.
1: Yeah, exactly walk around eat it's it's not like you're being packed in like a sardine yeah it's it's a very different experience unless you're talking the subways in new york and then that is an entirely different experience true (laughs) um yeah so let's see i left the horrible story of my pants behind um anybody have any interaction to anything in here no (laughs) I
4: got absolutely livid about the smart meters. Okay. That that one really pissed me off. But it should piss you off because I
1: don't know about you, but when they stuck the one on my house, uh, uh it's lawsuit to get rid of that. But uh anyway. Um millions of smart meters may overinflate readings by up to six hundred percent. That's the newest and best science, y'all. Lab test care.
0: Well, here in Texas, we live in an apartment complex, so our smart meter isn't actually connected to our physical apartment. It's connected mm-hmm. down, you know, in the walkway down between the two buildings, mm-hmm. and everybody can walk down through there. But we pay the same amount for our electricity no matter what we use, whether I use one kilowatt or a million kilowatts. I pay two sixty three a month no matter what.
1: I don't pay that much. I really well, don't.
0: I chose to go with that because I knew with having a teenage boy in the house who can't ever remember to turn off lights, even <laughs> switching over to all LED bulbs at twenty-five bucks a bulb, mm-hmm. yeah, it was still you know highly expensive. Yeah. Plus, we have a, a generator or a, a, a projector that runs almost twenty-four-seven. Surround <laughs> sound, ceiling fans, air conditioning that is on whether it's cold or hot. It's trust me, I'm getting my money's worth and then some.
1: Okay, but this is this is bad for the average homeowner, and I mean this is only one of the bad parts with smart meters. And and when Jeannie and I were when it was just Jeannie and I doing the show, and even when it was just me and Karen Carey doing the show, we talked about uh, a couple of people actually had heart problems. They have pacemakers. And the signals that the smart meters were sending out were interfering with those, and they had to have them removed. From oh, shit.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's no
1: good. That's not good. But that that's one problem there. The second problem is there's so much technology built into these things that the power companies don't even know what's being sent to them. But any hacker can decode it. And they can tell what time of day you, say, wash your clothes or do your dishes or what time you power your computer on. So they could find out when you were home or when you weren't home to break in and steal your stuff. There's multitudes of problems dealing with your privacy and what you do that are in among the wonderful things with these smart meters. One of the worst parts of these is, in some cases they actually encode them. So if you use too much power, they can brown you out. And that's always good for the health of your electronics, right? Okay, yeah. so millions millions of smart meters may overinflate readings by up to 600%, and there are a multitude of other problems, but this is just the worst one lately. Uh, lab tests carried out by Dutch scientists have shown that some of today's smart electrical meters may give out false readings, and in some cases, can be 582% higher than actual energy consumption. The study involved several tests conducted on nine different brands of quote-unquote smart meters, also referred into in the industry as static electricity meters. Researchers also used one electromechanical meter for reference using a simple test rig. Researchers connected the smart meters to various power-consuming appliances found in regular homes, such as energy-saving light bulbs, heaters, LED bulbs, and dimmers. The test lasted for six months. Um, experiments went on for six months with individual tests <clears throat> lasting at least one week and sometimes several weeks. Researchers tried to reproduce regular household energy consumption patterns and didn't focus on putting the smart meters to stressful conditions. The study was conducted by researchers from the University of Twente and the Amsterdam University of Applied Scientists. Uh, As such, the meters were chosen to represent the installed base of energy meters in the Netherlands. Meters used in the tests were manufactured between 2004 and 2014. Test results varied wildly, with some meters reporting errors way above their disclosed range, going from negative 32% to positive 582%. Tests with uncommon results were repeated several times, and the results were within a few percents of the original. Test results matched to user complaints. results of their study matched numbers posted on an online forum by a disgruntled dutchman complaining about high energy bills overall five of the nine smart meters gave out readings much higher than the actual amount of power consumed while two gave lower readings the greatest inaccuracies were seeing researchers combine dimmers with energy-saving light bulbs and led bulbs after finishing their lab experiment researchers dismantled the smart meters to understand the problem following their efforts to Three men research team discovered that the smart meters, which gave abnormally high readings, used a Warkowski coil in their setup, while the smart meters that gave out low readings used the hail effect-based sensors, problems based on smart meter designs. Researchers blamed all the issues on the design of some smart meters and ironically, ironically electrical devices with energy-saving features. Ladder devices, researchers say, introduced a large amount of noise in the electrical current waveforms, which disrupt the smart meter sensors tested according to power consumption. The reason for faulty readings appears to be the current sensor and the associated circuitry, the, said the researchers. The experimental results show that static electricity meters can be pushed into faulty readings, positive and negative, if sufficiently fast pulse currents are drawn by the consumer. Up to 750,000 faulty smart meters in the Netherlands alone. Since the research only covered smart meters installed in Dutch homes, researchers say that around 7,500, 750,000 smart smart meters deployed around the Netherlands may be giving out false readings. Worldwide, the numbers of possibly faulty smart meters could be in the millions, especially after some governments, especially in the EU, have pushed for smart meters to replace classic electromechanical rotating disk meters. The true impact cannot be assessed as researchers do not publish names makes some models of the tested meters. The research team's work titled Static Electricity Meter Caused by Conducted Electromagnetic Interference has been published in the IEEE Electromagnetic Compatibility Magazine. Sorry, story was from Bleeping Computer. So yeah, great. Bullshit. So all those energy-saving appliances you're using could ironically be making your smart meter think that you're just wasting electricity like a MOVO. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's the perfect, uh, perfect gas. It's the perfect way to steal money from people.
4: When we first moved back into this area, the house that we lived in both our gas and electric meter were inside the basement. And every year I would get a stack of postcards from the utility companies, and you drew lines on their little hands where your meter read, and you sent it to them, and then they sent you a bill. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that.
1: Yeah, well, they trusted you to do that. And these days, you know, you can't trust an idiot not to take an iPhone to the bathtub. So, you know. <laughs> Very,
4: Darwin award. I love it. Very you want to talk about that at all?
0: Yes, that please make please make waffles while you're bathing. <laughs> well, yeah.
3: Apparently <clears throat> there there's a gentleman in in London. Uh a Darwin
1: who, award winner.
3: Darwin award winner. Yeah, the, the accidental death is the official cause of death, but I I say it should be Darwin award winner. Uh Decided he really needed to charge his iPhone while he was taking a bath. So he ran an extension cord into the bathroom, had the charger plugged in on the side of the bath, had the phone plugged in, and had the phone sitting on his chest. Guess what happened to him, folks? (laughs) Yeah, water plus mains electricity. Mm.
0: Oh, y'all are so fortunate. (laughs) Well, how come that stuff can't happen
1: here? Yeah.
3: It probably yeah, does. It's starting
1: in California. It's not even Florida.
3: Yeah, that, <laughs> no. that was in London.
1: It's, uh, not, it's not Florida. But hey, you know. As hey, Jeremy positive... Jeremy
3: as well, yeah. I mean, UK, 230 <laughs> volts, 30 amp.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> <gonna do> that. <laughs> that's the good <laughs> shit. Yeah, <that's,
0: laughs> yeah he, he 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 wasn't getting none of that watered down, you know, stepped on power.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Uh, makes you
4: think yeah. about some people you'd like to send a free phone to and give them <laughs> instructions, but they have. This is the only way you can charge it. But this wonderful phone is free. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know what it makes me think about? It makes me sad that Tesla never got, never got any further with his power through the air thing. Oh, mm.
3: that, that's what wireless charging basically is, based on the Tesla uh, stuff. So yeah.
1: Qi charging. Yeah. That's Tesla.
3: Basically, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's induction charging.
3: Yes.
1: I'm just saying, you know, if he'd have gotten a little further with that, this idiot would still be alive.
3: Hey, I mean, um, before before electricity was widely rolled out, Tesla had, I can't remember which street it was, it was one of the New York streets, the whole street was lit by wireless induction power.
1: I mean, and Tesla said that power should be free. Yes. Tesla was an interesting guy.
3: That's why people didn't like him much.
1: Tesla was awesome. Yeah,
3: oh, it, yeah, it was.
1: was death ray and all. He was great. <laughs> hey, so, actually, there's an alternative to your border wall death ray. Just put well, a death ray on the border with Mexico. I'm, well, like, I have, I'm yeah. telling you, you'd only have to use it once. I'm
0: if saying, I bought a Tesla and I parked it out in a bad neighborhood and somebody stole it, would it become an Edison?
1: <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> i gotta tell you i mean edison just was not the great guy everybody thought he was you know and it really and i'll tell you i didn't really know about the history of tesla because like i said i I, i've said before i went to a very liberal high school and i chose that education for myself um simply because i wanted to learn latin i wanted to be a writer i had interest in artistic things i mean that changed as i got older of course but um so I didn't really get much history. And even if I did get much history, they sure as hell didn't talk about Tesla. I found out about Tesla because of the band Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Tesla, that's kind of that's kind of an interesting name. I actually found out about um, Tesla from the song Edison's Medicine. I know that's a Tesla song kind of ironic.
3: I still find it it's it's yeah, it's it's so ironic that everybody in the world's house is using Tesla's technology. Mm-hmm. But Edison got all the all the all the credit. For
0: all the money.
3: He brought the Don't. world electricity. No he didn't. <laughs> no he didn't.
1: He was a thief. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, and he Direct he, current you know...
3: idiot. <laughs> Direct yeah. Current.
0: <laughs> what else did he do? He he uh, cruelty to animals and
1: Oh yeah, he did a elephants
0: lot. and yeah. He did a he did a lot of bad shit. I mean, the guy was, was an crazy. asshole. I mean, let's let's not mince words here. The guy was an asshole, and he got right. all the credit for it.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. he was. He yeah, he, 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 was. he he wasn't the only one though. Uh, ra- radio technology had similar uh, yeah. phone phone technology. Uh, yeah, and, and
0: television too. Yeah. The guy, what was it? The guy that ran uh, RCA, who. Uh, rca originally stole the tv from zenith yeah
1: you know is that really a shock though i mean we, we see the same thing we see the same thing with vaping today somebody releases a mod china releases something exactly like it 100 cheaper i mean it's kind of how business is i don't care what the fuck you say about intellectual property that's not going to stop you from something
0: no, anytime anybody looks at something and says, oh, wow, did you see this new invention? And all I can think of nowadays is, well, I wonder where they stole that from.
4: <laughs> well, it's, and don't overlook the fact of Microsoft and Apple. I mean, that's one that everyone should be familiar with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Pirates yeah. Well, of
3: Silicon Valley, yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, the, the the other big one, other than Edison, Tesla, was mm-hmm. Marconi. Yeah. Mm-hmm all this wonderful radio technology that he didn't invent, but he got all the credit for. Yeah. He worked yeah. with the BBC on radio technology. Yeah, and
1: nobody knows him And stole,
3: stole it all and set up a company, basically. So he got funded I mean, by the British government and then ran off with the technology. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, but these are little facts of little nuggets of history that people aren't going to get anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just think... Um. Okay, while I have you here, Jeremy. Yes. Kellyanne Conway. Yes. Can spy on people through their microwaves. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. We okay. So we <laughs> we discussed what Old Hatchet Face said earlier. Um. Is is it. I mean, I I think the White House needs to get an officer of science and technology, so she doesn't run around giving these fucking half cocked interviews, talking about half baked shit she barely understands.
0: Yeah, that's that that's kind of like with um, in our industry when when you go to talk to the client, you typically mm-hmm. want to leave the green hand out in the truck because he just graduated school and he remembers all the crap that they had been teaching in the class right but he doesn't know the actual legitimate applications of it
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah so you you definitely don't want that individual talking to the client
1: well right but i mean now i mean you realize why that's it's probable we've discussed it you can actually use microwaves yes beamed from above in a plane or drone to spy on someone I'm giving Hatchetface the benefit of the doubt when I say I think she might have read something and misunderstood it. I don't think she should be allowed to give interviews
3: anymore. Excuse me, me. she read something?
0: No, I think she, like, got a hold of... Overheard some guys talking about some DARPA technology that was being developed, and granted, they probably shouldn't have been talking about it in a common area, but yeah, no... (laughs) Yeah, I, I, yeah, now, now they could spy on you with your microwave oven now. No, <laughs> oh, God. Somebody I mean, unplug her microphone. Jeez.
1: You know, here's the scary thing, Vary. What does your washing machine have in it? What does my washing machine have in it? Microphone? Yes.
3: Technically, they say they're in there because really? they're detecting the vibration. vibration. Yeah. So you it'll shut really down like if the machine goes yeah. into overload. Well, yeah I stole a I microphone didn't...
1: yes yeah and I mean I've talked about this before I have a friend who works at a washing machine factory and, and he was just he came home one day and he was like you know I can't remember in the 70s we didn't really have these what are you talking about well we're installing microphones in the washing machines now well what the fuck for well this is what they say they're for but still a microphone Still in your fucking washing machine. You know,
0: yeah, something that shouldn't have a microphone in it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, there are other ways of detecting vibration. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and they're cheaper and more effective.
3: Trembler because, switches are the traditional. Well I, mean, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: well, I mean, and obviously they don't work for all appliances since a couple of them have exploded.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so, so does you know, this mean that they're listening
0: to my kid fart in the basement? Quite possibly probably <laughs> but then again this is also the reason why I have a, a washing machine that's like 25 years old
1: you know I love used appliances I do mm-hmm. I, I, oh, need yeah. new, I need a new oven um, I gotta go on Tuesday and I'm gonna go to the used appliance place and pick up like oven. I don't
0: care if I have to go on Craigslist once a year and buy a brand you know buy a brand new to me washer for you know twenty five dollars, I'm still paying less than the nine hundred dollars you're spending on that Samsung. Yeah, well,
1: you know, it's also becoming less explodey for you, so that's well. Good. I
3: mean, to, to give an example, I'm kind of with right. Jeremy. Um, I I need a new coffee machine, uh, mm-hmm. and I don't like pod machines because they're hugely expensive and just stupid. They're and,
1: wasteful. They're yeah. wasteful.
3: So. I I I managed to get a second hand DeLonghi oh, drip, drip coffee right. machine, oh. but it's also got the milk frother. Um Damn. But yeah, yeah. It's 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 pre EU regulation, right? Oh so, wow. So, so it actually it can works keep well. the coffee hot <laughs> as long as I leave it turned on, right? Yeah. Hmm. Whereas the new ones have a half hour cutout. Um because this one, the only electronics in it. All the electronics are basically solid-state electronics. There's no microchips. I um, don't want the way microchips the way it knows how hot stuff. it needs to be is it's got a thermal fuse in it. <laughs> so yeah, when, when it gets a certain microchips. temperature, that cuts the power. That's it.
1: I don't want microchips. Yeah, I don't want my toaster leaking my you know Google calendar information all over the fucking internet. I don't want my my dishwasher is one of the real old ones with the the knobs because uh-huh. they get there's more water going through under your dishes, getting them cleaner. Sounds wasteful. I don't give a shit. I don't feel like getting fucking dysentery from my damn dishes. Um, and I I, I have this they theory. Work
3: well. right? You know, you know all these upper middle class people who buy all right. the dice and stuff.
1: Oh yeah.
3: Do you think, like, when the person's not at home, all the dice and stuff's gossiping about its owners?
1: I doubt it. I doubt it, but I'm just saying. We have such little privacy as it is right now, right? I am, I'm to the point where, yeah, you call me Marvin the Paranoid Android, you're probably right. I am paranoid about it. I don't think that much information about me should be accessible. I don't think I'm a valuable enough commodity... For people to care how I like my fucking toast done, and I certainly don't want a goddamn refrigerator that's going to leak my emails all over the internet, and that's happened this year. Yeah, people's emails have been leaked all over the freaking internet by their. Damn Here's these fridgers.
3: private emails, and you need more milk. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Now so we ridiculous. had a Keurig. We had a Keurig, and I just threw it out on the back porch because I I went to um uh, I went to go clean it. And I poured a little bit of bleach water in it <laughs> and let it run through. And, oh, my God, if you would have seen, it looked like fresh brewed coffee coming through there. Yeah. And we got it on sale when we bought it. It was the, the like the first model that had come in, and then they phased out before the Keurig 2 came out. So literally all we were using it for was for hot water. And for the longest time, I never would run anything in it other than distilled water. I'd buy two or three gallons of distilled water a week, and that was enough to make our coffee in the morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I knew that there weren't biofilms and, you know, calcium deposits building up on the inside of this thing. You thought there wasn't. Yeah, I thought there wasn't. However, yeah, no, this thing's disgusting. Um, It's sitting out on the back porch. Yeah, Biofilms it's sitting out cool. on the back porch, and we have two uh, French presses—a large one for more than one cup of coffee, and one if I just want one by myself.
1: Do you know how I make my coffee now? Since since we're doing coffee and we're just fucking throwing the show out the window. Oh, if you're
0: doing buy. if if you're doing it any other way than a French press, you're wasting it.
1: I have to. My 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 really? reflux has been killing me. I've been oh. making cold brew. That shit, you can't. Really? Eat. Yeah. Cold brew is good. Cold brew is awesome. You can add mere tablespoons to a full cup of milk and you'll be jittery like you just drank an espresso. The only problem is oh. you can't taste it. You cannot taste it. But cold brew is the easiest thing in the world to make. You just cold filtered water and coffee. And I stick mine in my fridge for days. You should see the oil that comes off it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the only when drawback because
4: I... you have to plan ahead to make sure you've got some in the fridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love. I'm,
3: I'm just going to stick to my drip coffee machine
1: because well, right, it's I an drink, Italian
3: one, so it works drink, really well.
1: I drink cold coffee. I love French coffee. So processed. do I. When when my yeah, I know you do, but no, I drink cold coffee to start with, so I'm good with cold brew. Um, it's also more economical because I use a lot less of it. You know, I, I hmm. get up at ridiculous o'clock in the morning, so yeah. You know.
4: And I've got an industrial bun in my kitchen. Hmm. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
3: Yeah, I really want a a bean to cut machine at some point, but I I, I, I need to save up money for, like, 10 years to be able to afford a decent one.
1: (laughs) I think everybody has to save up money for a long time to afford stuff. But like I'm saying, I I need a new stove. I'm definitely going to buy used. I want something with no microchips in it because Mm -hmm. anything that's got a microchip in it goes bad within three years. As soon as it's right outside the warranty period, it just goes fritzy.
3: Are you getting gas or electric?
1: I can only have electric. I can't have gas. oh
3: we'll make sure there. you get like one that's electric. got the glass hob then rather because they oh, last yeah. a shit sight longer than the exposed well, hobs.
1: not so much down here in Florida, but I oh no, just the, I, I just mean you know yeah. the, the
3: heating elements embedded in the oh, glass yeah. so it doesn't wear out as fast um oh
1: yeah well if the th- if the thermostat could keep the temperature that's that's the thing. You know, and I'm going in, I'm changing the programming, just in case it's programming, because sometimes the programming goes funky if your power goes out, and I live in Lightning Alley, <laughs> so my power goes out a lot. Thank you, Florida Power and Light. You're
0: Actually, you can, you can run a gas stove in your house.
1: I am not having anything that can blow me up outside my house.
0: No, you can use the small propane cylinders.
1: Yeah, I'm. You I've can still about
0: hook
1: it. those up. Well, I mean, you know, that's, you know, that's that's perfect disaster cooking, but that's why I have a grill. <laughs> <laughs> you
4: know, still, I mean? and we're exact opposites there because I love my gas cooktop. I hate oh, washing. gas
3: is the best way to cook. But
1: why? Well, I, yeah. I wish I could have one. It's but expensive. I've lived, here, I've lived yeah. here forever, and you know, this was the most economical way to go. But I mean, how much you pay for your electric bill, Jeremy? I I, oh, yeah. I, sh- I shudder to tell you what I pay for mine. You'd move here. <laughs> <laughs> a house full of four people that keep TVs on all the time, except for me. The most I paid is one hundred and seventy-one dollars, and that's with having to put the heat on for a couple of days. That is the most I've ever paid on my electric bill ever. Damn. And it's a full house. You know, heating, air conditioning. You know, laundry, dishes, and everything for four people and three. What square footage? Day.
0: Two thousand, three hundred. Yeah, wow. no, we've we've got a yeah. ours is a, I want to say it's a seven hundred square foot two bedroom, two bath, condominium. And we pay two sixty three. Ouch. Yeah,
3: um, I'm in the Condem- UK, so I'm screwed. <laughs>
1: well the uk is um yeah
4: so utilities wait, over is...
1: the uk are outrageous well yeah. so is gas i mean that's why everybody drives in something smaller than a damn mini cooper which hey! i saw somebody in something smaller than a mini cooper the other day and i went yeah God. those
3: are
0: fiats and even we laugh at those
3: the fiat 500 I... it's a very good car though I'm sure it's a
1: lovely car, but the man driving it was he, he, he just, he was gigantic.
3: If you want I, a laugh, <laughs> if you want a laugh, I was
1: like, what in the hell you, is You're familiar
3: like... with car tip, uh, with cow tipping. Yeah. I know you are. You live in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Look up on YouTube smart car tipping, Netherlands. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious, smart because yeah, those t-
0: things they're heavier in the ass end than they are in the front. So if you were to, you know, roll backwards and you bumped into something rather low, you do you run the risk of tipping over backwards? Well, it depends
3: how big the people are sitting in the front. But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it's yeah. Look it up. Uh, Smart cars for for months, many were seen floating in Holland um, because people were car (laughs) tipping. Steve's has got
4: one, and we've joked we could put her car and a sofa in the bed of our truck, and it wouldn't have any problems.
1: You know, I have, I have a really big car down here. I mean, and I have a big car because I need a crumple zone between me and the blind people that are out here driving that are 900. I just do. I need crumple zone so I don't die. Yeah. Um. So I, I tend to have a bigger car. and Yeah. It's it's a smoother ride. It's more comfortable. It's more expensive. As look up, I don't go look as many up the places.
3: website Millweb. Get get okay. get, a, get a nice like T fifty four or something. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, this, our,
0: bit our, expensive
3: our, on fuel, but you know you don't have to worry about crumple zones.
0: Uh, oh, Ford's released the uh, the ups for the Torino. If they bring the Grand Torino back.
1: Are they actually talking about
0: bringing that back? Yeah, but they've been talking GM's been talking about bringing back the Chevelle and the El Camino. They've been teasing us with the Chevelle and the El Camino for about the past 10 years. And the only thing that I say and I keep telling them is if Lee Iacocca fucks up the Chevelle I will personally shoot him in the foot.
1: (laughs) Go for the kneecap. (laughs) Yeah, I I just want to see you get close enough to Lee Iacocca to shoot him.
0: (laughs) if he if he fucks up the chevelle um i'm already done with american engineering as it is you know once i bought my cooper i decided i I said no (laughs) i'm not buying (laughs) anything american again this car i can go thirteen thousand miles between oil changes
1: you know i uh yeah so i'm not so I don't know. I'm I'm not so sure you'd be able to get that close to Lea Iacocca, but that would be interesting. I'm kind of wondering. You know, it, it, people are not using gasoline like they used to. Obviously, that tells me that we have a problem with the jobs market. I don't care how wonderful everybody says the economy is, Jeremy. The economy is getting better. Correct.
0: This the economy. Is really
1: that. We the hear economy. That all the time.
0: Yeah, it is getting better, but slowly, very, very slowly.
1: Did do you feel like you're any more secure than you were five years ago? No. Okay. Not, not me, yet. Me either. So it's fantastic for the stock market, for the average everyday person. Margot, how much better off are you than you were five years ago?
4: I got a pot to piss in. How's that?
1: Okay. Very. <laughs> How about uh, you? I, you been...
3: I've been shit-ass poor for a decade, so...
1: Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. So, basically, the real-world economy, from a poll of the four people in this room, tells you it ain't getting better for us yet. Um, I think that's quite telling. Uh, the stock market's getting way too, way, way, way too high. It's like getting...
4: Overinflated.
1: S- it's getting very scary high. That tells me there's a bubble... Big and time. I see that they are going to raise the interest rates again. And I'm like, oh, that's going to, that bubble's going to burst and it's going to be ugly. Yeah. So just throwing that out there because we're now a, honestly, we're a bubble based economy. The whole planet's a fucking bubble based economy, you know. And instead of letting them ride out, the Fed keeps fucking with everything. It's interesting but I will say I do notice that gas prices are going up which is actually and this sounds fucked up but that's actually a good indicator that the economy is moving along quite well.
0: Yeah, it still needs to get up about 5 bucks a gallon though. Uh
1: no it doesn't. No, yes, uh, not yes, on it my does. not on my paycheck it don't.
0: Okay, <laughs> well here okay. You then you can do it. Uh, well here okay. Now let me let me preface that with the reason why I say this. And here's what I keep telling people. The reason why people don't want gas to get up to $4 a gallon is because typically we drive cars that we don't need. I drove a truck for the longest time. Did I need a truck? No. It was a dick extension. I'm not going to lie. Am Sorry. I inadequate? Am I inadequate? No. But it's it's Texas. you got to have a truck, right? No. No, you don't. I drive a car now that gets 60 miles to the gallon if I drive it in the right conditions. I don't care if the gas is $10 a gallon. I still only have to fill up once a week. And while everybody else is bullshitting, running around here going, oh, I don't want to buy a new car because I can't afford it. um, That gas guzzler that you've been driving, that's what's killing you.
4: Well, I can tell you, Jeremy, that I drive a Nissan Titan, which is a pretty decent sized truck. I don't have a dick, so I've got nothing to prove <laughs> <that>. <laughs> um, yeah, I can you- also tell you that this truck gets used. Um, there are a lot, and not just by us, but we've got friends. Oh my God, we need to do this. Can you help us with that? Because there are a lot of things you need a truck for. On top of that... There's too many idiots on the road anymore. I'm a great big white vehicle that sits high up off the ground. They
0: see me. Oh, believe <laughs> me, I drive I-10 almost every morning. I know.
1: <laughs> uh, they, I, just, they can, they
0: I drive can something do. fast enough to get the hell out of the way.
1: They're, they're, hmm. People are scared. Is there anything anybody in the documents in love with wants to talk about?
0: Fed-up driver gets revenge on police by using his car to block speed camera. It's funny.
1: That's sweet. Yeah. This is Cleveland United Kingdom.
0: Not all heroes wear capes. I'm just saying. Uh, I
1: know. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Fed-up driver gets revenge on police by using his car to block speed camera. Five years ago, Chris Welford was hit with a speeding ticket. So when he noticed a mobile speed camera parked up on that very same road, he decided to take revenge cheeky chris parked his bmw a few feet behind cleveland police's van lifted up his boot and blocked the camera he then stood next to his five series for an hour on Marski road as passing motorists beeped their horns in admiration at his handiwork i've been caught here in the past and thought i would try to annoy them just a little bit said the 23 year old offshore worker when i saw the van i just thought to myself i had a few spare hours with nothing better to do so why not People have been loving it. One person got in touch and said not all heroes wear capes. But Cleveland police are seemingly not as impressed with Chris, claiming he was visited hours later and warned he could have been hauled to court for harassment. However, Chris said police didn't even confront him at the scene and let him just get on with it. At one point, unmarked police car came past with two officers inside, added Chris of Burley Close Skelton. But they just looked at me and kept driving. There's at least one officer in the car, but he just ignored me. Police came around later and told me I was lucky as I could have been done for harassment. But everyone else was beeping their horns and seeming to support me. That support has seen a picture of Chris blocking the camera shared hundreds of times on Facebook. Supporters called him a legend for the 1 p.m. stunt on Skelton Road, an area Chris claims police target frequently. They're there a lot as drivers go down a bank and obviously pick up speed, said Chris. When I first passed my test five years ago, I got a ticket there soon after, but personally, I don't think it's an area of concern. There was a school there years ago, but that was knocked down. So I don't think there's a real need for them to be there, which made it more satisfying. Police Inspector Henry Simpson, I'm sorry, Harry Simpson. So those who feel Chris have hailed as a hero, the feels those who have hailed Chris as a hero are those who don't consider speeding a serious offense. It's an unpleasant sight to come across the severed limbs of victims and then take on the task of informing families of these victims but their loved one is in serious condition in the hospital or even worse. Those who do not agree with speed enforcement will no doubt speed themselves. Okay. Police figures show there have been 277 speeders caught there for each of the last two years, with 71 caught in the last six weeks alone. Five years ago, the force say it was the site of a serious crash. Um, Kind of... Go ahead. Why aren't
4: they saying anything about these people that are driving 25 in a 45 zone that cause just as many problems as people doing 50 in the 45?
3: Oh no, the UK, yeah, they do them too. <laughs> well, they just oh, yeah. don't have automated cameras for it yet. The, um,
1: in the UK, Australia, Australia is really big. I mean, have you ever seen... Go ahead. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. And
0: I I tell people this all the time and they, they laugh at me and they think I'm crazy, but anybody who lives in Texas, who's been here for any length of time knows that there are no legitimate speed limits within the state of Texas. They're posted guidelines and considered prima facie (laughs) as far as whenever you get a ticket, it serves that the posted speed limit is considered, you know, to be, prudent and uh safe and reliable you know uh, speed for transportation but when you walk into a courtroom and you tell the the jury if you go if you get lucky enough to be able to actually get a jury trial out of it when you look at the jury and you tell them there are no speed limits in the state of texas and you give it a, a pregnant pause and you explain to them you know if i were lying the judge would admonish me for lying to you but there are no speed limits in texas If you can prove that the date and time that you were traveling and that the speed in which you were traveling was not unsafe and it wasn't reckless, then you can literally get away with speeding. It's the defending that ticket and, you know, having to pay for the court fees and the missed time and for most people it's just not worth it. Yeah.
3: Well, in, in the UK there is kind of a war going on with speed cameras um, yeah, there th- is. This is one of the more, <laughs> this is one of the more pleasant stories that one. But right, the original they cameras they, fall, they brought out they? had a hole in the s in the bottom, uh, in case fall. water got in. And yeah, people were squirting builders' foam into them, and even well, even I mean... even uh, a noted celebrity, a chef, appeared on Top Gear and told you how to disable a. Uh, one of the cameras without um, actually damaging it. It involves uh, what you call saran wrap. (laughs) You know,
1: (laughs) honestly, I mean, I can understand people in the UK getting pissed about that. They're surveilled everywhere they go. Cameras are ubiquitous
3: there. Well, the speed cameras are, in some cases are the worst because, yeah, some councils are just using them as revenue raisers it's nothing to do with safety yeah you know they're putting them in as many places as possible and it's got nothing to do with people speeding
1: well i mean i know that florida there's uh, they're actually fighting against that here in florida trying to get rid of that as a revenue source and it, yeah. i guess it really shouldn't be a revenue source well um, i mean I, can, I, I have
3: a personal that, example of this right the, you know, local government and revenue source, mm-hmm. because uh, people who've heard me before, I did work basically as a parking attendant or basically traffic, traffic warden yeah. in Edinburgh for a while, and uh, because it was the first job I got when I moved there, mm-hmm. and we went on strike, um, because we're not well paid, and despite what people in the UK keep saying, uh, they're not you're not paid on commission uh you're you're paid minimum wage, basically, just right. above minimum wage. Um but you get sworn at, spat at one guy got shot with an air rifle, uh <laughs> all sorts of things. But so we went on strike because, you know, better wage and conditions. A classic strike. Uh the company we worked for brought in outside labour to do the work. Uh 'Cause they got that get around gets around the union problem right. because oh they're still NCP employees and you know, right. they're registered long enough before the official strike that they're allowed to come in. However, of course, these guys they brought in didn't know the city very well, so we're giving out loads of dodgy tickets. And we had <laughs> our membership following them around telling all the motorists how dodgy the tickets were. <laughs> Um the council told the company to end the strike after 2 days cuz we were told they were losing something like somewhere between 20 and 50,000 pounds a day revenue from parking <laughs> not having the correct enforcers on the street so, yeah, the company, yeah, oh, yeah we'll, give you, we'll give you a pay rise. Because yeah. basically, otherwise, the, the council, in this case, Edinburgh City, we're going to mm-hmm. pull the contract from the company. So, well,
1: yeah. You know, at, at some point, especially when you're dealing with the general public and their um, unhappiness, believe me, I can understand why you'd want to strike believe me i would love to do that anybody have any attraction anything or should i just go
4: go (laughs) yeah
1: okay yes you'll love this or hate it course says hacking victim can't sue a foreign government for hacking him on u.s soil Digital rights activists sued Ethiopia in what they hoped could be a landmark case against a government spyware. A court of appeals in Washington, D.C. ruled that an American citizen can't sue the Ethiopian government for hacking into his computer and monitoring him with spyware. The decision on Tuesday is a blow to anti-surveillance and digital rights activists who were hoping to establish an important precedent in a widely documented case of illegitimate government-sponsored hacking. Kedane, an Ethiopian dissident, is just one of many where governments have used spyware created by Western companies to target activists or journalists. In late 2012, the Ethiopian government allegedly hacked the victim, an Ethiopian-born man who goes by the pseudonym Kedane, for fear of government reprisals. The Ethiopian government spies from the Information Network Security Agency, (INSA) allegedly used software known as FinSpy to break into to Kedane's computer and secretly record his Skype conversations and steal his emails. The Spy was made by the famous Finn Fisher, a company that has sold malware to several governments around the world, according to researchers at Citizens Lab, a digital watchdog group at the University of Toronto's Monk School of Global Affairs, why does everything have to be a giant mouthful, who studied the malware that infected Kedane's computer. For Cadane's lawyers, the decision set a dangerous precedent. It gives foreign governments carte blanche to do whatever they want to Americans in America so long as they do it by remote control. Nate Cardonzo, a staff attorney with the Electronic Frontier Foundation, a digital rights group who represented Cadane in the first of its kind lawsuit, told Motherboard, if a foreign government can send a robot by a software or physical means into the United States, Cardonzo said, paraphrasing something the EFF director Cindy Cohn said, this option gives foreign governments complete immunity for whatever their robots do within the United States. The Ethiopian embassy in D.C. did not respond to a request for comment by email. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia ruled that Kedain didn't have the jurisdiction to sue Ethiopian government in the United States. Kedain and his lawyers invoked the, an exception to the foreign, foreign Sovereign Immunities Act, which says foreign governments can be sued in the U.S. as long as the entire tort on which the lawsuit is based occurred on American soil. According to the court, however, The hacking in this case didn't occur entirely in the U.S. Ethiopia's placement of FinSpy on virus on Kedane's computer, although completed in the United States when Kedane opened the infected email attachment, began outside the United States. was in the United States the whole time. What Ethiopia did to my client, they did to him in his living room in Maryland. They didn't go to Ethiopia. They didn't do it in London. They did it in Maryland, Cardonzo said. Cardonzo said that they haven't decided whether to appeal the decision yet, but he said he was disappointed because this was the best case to challenge the use of spyware by governments, given that they had perfected, perfect forensic evidence of exactly what happened and exactly who did it and exactly where.
4: Kind of makes you feel warm and fuzzy, doesn't
1: it? Oh, everything my government does makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Yeah. Warm and fuzzy. That's why we talk about it every week, because it's not that there's shit being done that you shouldn't know about, done in your name.
3: You just, it's you, just a, you know
1: what a you jubilee. need to do
3: now? You need, you need to make sure that story gets gets somehow onto Fox News. And then you'll have the White House blaming the Ethiopians for wiretapping the White House
1: well maybe they were using the microwave yeah. um, I just I'm, I'm disgusted by this yeah. I mean I'm disgusted by this and I mean if you want to talk about more stuff that me upset which apparently I do because looking at this stuff just makes me upset we'll go here since nobody's attracted to anything FBI's methods to spy on journalists should remain classified judge rules Reaction, it's anti-theatical to a democracy that supposedly values a free press. Okay, first of all, again, we're not a democracy. We're... A federal judge is agreeing with the FBI's contention that publicly disclosing its methods on how it spies on journalists could hamper national security. Freedom of Information Act lawsuit bought by the Freedom for Press Foundation sought FBI procedures surrounding the agency's protocol when issuing national security letters against members of the media. Without a warrant, an NSL allows the Bureau to obtain subscriber information and toll billing records information or electronic communication transaction records from third-party wire or electronic communications providers. Such information is relevant to an authorized investigation to protect against the intentional terrorism or clandestine intelligence activities. These items withheld from the organization, according to the U.S. District Judge Hayward Gilliam, Included instructions for managing and conducting cyber investigations, the instructions for investigating and charging members of the news media and NSL PowerPoint training presentation and other materials in draft form. Judge Gilliam, in deciding Monday that the FBI does not have to disclose the information, ruled that the FBI described with particularity that the withheld documents all contained non-public information about the FBI's investigative techniques and procedures. Page has not only identified NSLs as an investigative technique, but also described information such as the circumstances under which techniques should be used, how to analyze the information gathered through these, tech, through these techniques, and the current use of the FBI's investigations. San Francisco-based Freedom of the Press Foundation sued the government in 2015, seeking the information, arguing that keeping it a secret was chilling to the press and its sources. The suit came two years after the Associated Press revealed that the Justice Department had secretly seized telephone records for as many as 20 lines used by the AP reporters and editors as part of an investigation in 2013 into the leak of a Yemeni-based terror plot. The DOJ also investigated phone records of a Fox News correspondent as well as a Washington Post reporter. As part of the fallout, the Justice Department updated its media guidelines in 2013 and set new standards about when subpoenas could target journalists. Those rules did not address NSLs. Right on the Press Foundation Executive Director Trevor Tim said in an email, this is an extremely disappointing decision. Whether it's the Obama administration or the Trump administration, the government should not be able to keep its rules for spying on journalists without a court order secret. It is antithetical to a democracy that supposedly values a free press. We're evaluating our and will soonly will we'll soonly and will announce whether we will appeal the case soon what we do know about nsls and how they are used against the media was revealed by the intercept last year the intercept wrote the rules stipulate that obtaining a journalist records with a national security letter requires the sign off of the fbi's general counsel and the executive assistant director of the bureau's national security branch in addition to the regular chain of approval Generally speaking, there are a variety of FBI officials, including the agents in charge of field offices, who sign off on an NSL is, that, is, that is relevant to a national security investigation. The guidelines are also known as Classified Appendix G. Strangely, the FBI did not mention this appendix in the listing of documents withholding from, from the Freedom of the Press Foundation. Generally, under FOIA, agencies usually note documents that they have that are relevant to the lawsuit and say they're withholding them for a variety of reasons, national security being chief among them. Judge Gilliam said it didn't matter, though. While the FBI search might not have been perfect, the plaintiff was entitled to a reasonable search for records, not a perfect one, said the judge, quoting the opinion on the topic. So yeah. There's that.
3: Yay. Keep an eye on the press.
1: What were we last year? We were 46th in press freedom as far as countries go. We had fallen below Somalia. That's not great.
3: We're we're, we're not that much higher.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, falling below Somalia is pretty kind of bad. Um, So... If you ever wonder why the news sucks, uh, this might be a reason why. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Does anybody care if I do the ACLU story?
4: Do that and then do the uh, IRS cancer story.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's been fun topics this evening, folks. Okay. <laughs> you know, if it's not a laugh a minute, it's not on Anti Nanny. Okay. Can border agents search your electronic devices? It's complicated. We've been getting a lot of questions. This is from the ACLU, by the way, I should probably quote wrote it, but I'm not going to. I'm going to take a drink though, because I can hear my voice starting to change. We've been getting a lot of questions about when border agents can legally conduct searches of travelers, electronic devices at international airports and other ports of entry. Unfortunately, the answer isn't simple. The government has long claimed that the Fourth Amendment protections prohibiting warrantless searches don't apply at the border. The ACLU takes issue with this position, generally, especially when it comes to electronic devices like smartphones and laptops. Smartphones store detailed accounts of our conversations, professional lives, whereabouts, and web viewing habits. Uh, They paint a far more detailed picture of our private lives than, say, a piece of luggage. The Supreme Court recognized this reality when it ruled in 2014 that the Constitution requires the police to obtain a warrant search the smartphone of someone under arrest. As the ACLU has argued in various court filings, there's no reason the Constitution's safeguards against unwarranted searches shouldn't also apply when we can travel internationally given the ubiquity of these devices and their ever-growing capacity to track the minutiae of our lives. Private lives. Unfortunately, the government doesn't agree, and the law on the matter is far from settled. Because of the high-stakes implications of these kinds of searches amidst evidence, they're on the rise. It's important to understand the landscape so that you can make decisions that are right for you ahead of your travels. This resource offers a basic snapshot of possible scenarios relating specifically to electronic device searches. For a full picture of many other civil liberties issues that often arise at the border, well, you could uh, click here if you had the document, but you don't. And if you think your constitutional rights have been violated, well, you can fill out a form and the ACLU will get back to you. What happens if a border agent demands I turn over my device? The government claims the authority to search all electronic devices at the border, no matter your legal status in the country or whether they have any reason to suspect that you've committed a crime. You can state that you don't have consent to such a search, but unfortunately, this likely won't prevent the CBP from taking your phone. If you've given Customs and Border Protection agents the password to your device or you don't have one, may conduct what's often called a cursory search on the spot You might also download the full contents of your device and save a copy of your data according to cbp policy from 2009 they're not required to return your device before you leave the airport or any other port of entry and they might choose to send it off for a more thorough forensic search barring extenuating circumstances they claim the authority to hold on to your device for five days though extenuating circumstances is an undefined term in this context and this period can be extended by seven day increments We've received reports of phones being held for weeks or even months as a result of this policy. Even the most universally recognized private information like communications with your lawyers are insufficiently protected at the border. If you possess information that is protected by attorney client privilege, you should tell the CBP agent you're interacting with. Unfortunately, all he or she will do under the agency policy is seek advice from a superior prior to the search journalists carrying sensitive information about their work or sources who are insufficiently protected. Um, the CBP Protective Directive states that work-related information carried by journalists shall be handled in accordance with any applicable federal law and CBP policy. But it's unclear what this means. Journalists who feel their rights have been violated at the border should let the ACLU know, and those who have upcoming travel should consult with organizations, general counsel, offices, or press associates. Uh, I have two words for you. Burner phone. Store all your information in the cloud. Burner phone.
3: Yep. That's some. That's the answer is cloud.
1: Piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, the cloud isn't secure as fuck, but if you're going to be foreign
3: internationally... You just have to pay more.
1: Right. But I'm saying, you know, they're not super secure. It's not like having your information right there with you, but your phone is not exactly like that.
3: No, but you can just... When, when you travel and you're going to be crossing the border, you don't even need the, f- well, y- yeah, you have a burner phone, but you yeah. just don't have the apps that, yep. y- you uninstall the apps that you had on for connecting to your cloud services, yeah. and then you can reinstall them when you get through. security <laughs> <Restore.
0: laughs> restore to factory Victory image yeah. Yeah, and then when you get through customs then yeah you just yeah. re-log get in the with your passwords yeah. and yeah it logs everything back in but i yep. mean
1: it's pathetic that you should have to I mean, yes I, it is i understand the reasonings for it but we talked last week about um what was it the girl from canada who denied entry who's actually a canadian citizen her, her father was a dissident who left the country he was from, he was a scientist, and he didn't want to work with the crazy Saudis. So he left and was seeking asylum in Canada, and he got it, uh, he and his wife, and this girl was born there, and she was denied entry into the United States. I don't know if they took her phone, but two other people had their phones taken by CBP last week, and one of them was, he worked for a large computer company No, and they took the company's property and they downloaded it and they didn't believe that he was a web designer um they only let him oh yeah i read
3: that one he... they're asking him <laughs> what looked like questions from wikipedia yeah a bit or the guy that
0: worked for jpl yeah,
4: yeah. i mean and I'm, I'm from this old fart school um I've had the exact same cell number since 1992, and I am now on my fourth cell phone. Uh, the only reason I got rid of my Razor was because I got notification they weren't going to support it anymore, so I had to break down and get a smartphone. So I go to the phone store and say, you guys need to transfer my SIM card and get this working and all that fun stuff. And then look
1: he, at you like you've got three heads. He goes,
4: he goes... Well, what do you do with this? So I said, um, it's a telephone. He calls with a. Yeah, and I went. I talk to people on it, and on rare occasions, I will send a text. And what I didn't tell him is a lot of times, at least once a week, I go in and delete every text I've ever gotten. <laughs> um, he's, he starts laughing. He goes, "Give it two weeks, lady. You'll be back." And I'm thinking, kid, you have no idea. Who you're talking to yeah, Margo. Um, you're,
3: you're a customer for the rebooted 3310.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: you'd
4: like I.
1: That.
4: What happens if I lose my phone? They're gonna know I have friends and how to call them. That's all they're gonna know <laughs> because well, I don't want any of my shit on my
1: phone. Well, I mean, and the most secure place to keep your information is written down. With uh-huh. paper in a fireproof safe that is an old-fashioned dial safe um most people don't do that anymore I, you were here for alex's update when he talked about not knowing people who know how you know having papers come in that don't know how to address a fucking envelope
4: oh yeah there's been kids showing up at license bureaus getting their first driver's license they don't know how to sign their fucking name yeah. and it's just like wait a minute uh, there's a there's an issue here. Yeah.
1: So people don't know how to keep their information safe because they're not taught any of the old ways of doing things. These are the people this is a problem for. Yep. You know, um, and it's unfortunate that I'm sitting here talking about get yourself a burner phone if you're going through customs. But that's possible. That's very likely the best way you're going to get through especially well, if you have a company phone mod-
3: Modern and day and age, on that. if I was going to go abroad on holiday, which is unlikely, because I have no money uh, but if okay. I ever did, these days I wouldn't take my phone uh, oh. I'd well, rent see, one but, when I was abroad, in the country yeah, I was going yeah. to
1: I don't blame you, but I'm saying here, if you don't have a phone, you do realise what happens to those people that come through with no phones right? I mean, oh, you yeah. haven't heard about this, but you, you will start hearing about it in the next few weeks or so. I predict you're going to hear about those people being detained. Yeah.
3: I'm aware of that.
1: <laughs> so, and, But most people aren't, you know? So that's why I say have a burner phone. You know, just have a burner phone with a bunch of absolute crap on it. Then.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, you can now get, like, the absolute cheapest phones are under $20. Yep. So yeah,
1: and I'll tell you something. If you really want something challenging, you get an old school phone. You want to send a text. You really need <laughs> to think out what you're gonna fucking say, because you'll be pressing that two button six or seven times to get to where you need to go. Um, the best thing that ever happened to me was I got a phone with a QWERTY keyboard. Love that thing. It's great. And then. Just last year, I upgraded to something semi-smart, and I did get a smartphone this year. In fact, today. In fact, it's charging. Yeah,
3: (laughs) yeah. Tell people what you got.
1: I got a Galaxy 7J. I got the Galaxy 7J because it has a removable battery, so as to lessen the, you know, explody battery problem that Samsung has. (laughs) Which is true. I think you got the same phone I got. I I got that. I uh, use Ting as my phone service, and I've never paid more than twenty two dollars a month, no matter what I do. And I stream a lot of music when I'm working. Oh it's no, I've point. got I've
0: yeah. got Sprint, and I think I pay eighty eight now. There yeah. for a while, for the longest time, I found out the reason why I was paying over one hundred and eighty dollars a month was for a tablet that I hadn't had turned on in months.
3: Well, I I pay twelve current exchange rates twelve dollars forty a month for my phone. I, pay I get gigabytes. I get four gigabytes of data, unlimited texts, and I think it's fifteen hundred <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I can do whatever
1: I want. Everything's in three dollar increments. I don't I yeah. don't text that much. I don't I my phone is a clock. Yeah. And my phone is my music player. That's all I use it for. You know I don't. I don't play at work. I very rarely make any phone calls. I don't have any game apps on it. I stream podcasts and music, yeah. and it tells me what time it is.
3: But so, yeah, me me and my 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 phone is my well, it's the equivalent of my desktop when I'm out. So yeah, it does everything I, my computer see, does. So I yeah. couldn't,
1: I couldn't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, I think possibly the easiest way to lessen the impact on border patrol would probably be to stop being involved in 8 or 10 wars with other countries, but I'm just crazy, I guess. Um, I keep saying this. My dad retired from the Marines and one of the things he really drilled into me was you don't understand. You think you know what wars are about. You don't know what about he um made me read the book war is a racket and uh i highly recommend that people read it um it will give you a different perspective on why we go to war it was written by major general Smedley butler who you know not an unknown entity a well-respected general who you know he just he wrote about what it was like going to why people really go to war it's an interesting perspective from someone who had spent most of their life in the military and i highly recommend it. it's not a large book but you find it illuminating it's good and i'm sure you could find it on youtube even people reading it out loud if you didn't want to read it or an audiobook format probably at libra because i think it's it's gone into the public domain i might be wrong on Okay, um. IRS. IRS.
4: This one frosted my ass too.
1: Pisses me off too. Cancer survivor owes $19,000 in taxes from donations. What? Expect. Oh yeah. Expect to see more of this y'all. The governments are on a hunt for money. So just expect to see more of this. Two years ago, after surviving a terrible car crash and battling cancer, Casey Sharif never imagined she'd be fighting a battle with the IRS. KETV first met Casey in March of 2013, just weeks after she survived a crash that broke her neck and back in several places. Crazy to think I feel talking to you for the first time, being in the hospital, getting all that news. Casey, now 20, told KETV's brandy peterson everything was thrown at me so fast paramedics flew casey to the hospital after the crash near Seven road during tests and scans to check for accident injuries doctors discovered tumors throw out casey's body had no idea she had cancer i'm determined not to let this cancer ruin my life or take it casey told ketv her story went viral reaching doctors and donors across the nation health experts offered to treat casey's rare cancer pero wow P-o-chromatoma. P-o-chromatoma, including a leading physician with the National Institute of Health. Hundreds of people in the Omaha metro area attended fundraisers for the Sharif family to help with travel and medical expenses. Her sister also set up a GoFundMe account online, and more than a thousand people around the world donated to the sh- donated to the Sharifs, raising nearly fifty thousand dollars. For the last two years, Casey has traveled to Maryland and Louisiana for treatment and received chemotherapy and radiation here in Omaha as well. So far, efforts to find Casey's cure have shown little progress. The cancer is still there. Even though I look and feel normal, I'm not, said Casey. Casey says there are still tumors in her spine and bones, though at this point the cancer does not appear to be spreading, and she does not have any symptoms. Just weeks ago, Casey and her family began a new battle. Two years later, we get a letter saying we owed like $20,000 in taxes, said Casey. March 30, 2015, the IRS noted the sh- notified the Sharifs what they collected through GoFundMe account should have been claimed as income. But the nearly $50,000, the government wants 15457 in back taxes and another 3676 in penalties and interest. In total, the letter indicates the sheriffs owed the IRS $19,133 by April 29th. I've already used that money for my doctor's bills and everything that I've needed, said Casey. It's donations, it's not income. So how can they tax you on that? I don't get it. KETV contacted the IRS. A spokesperson declined to comment, noting law prohibits the agency from talking about specific accounts. GoFundMe has posted on the website that while this is by no means a guarantee, most donations on GoFundMe are simply considered to be personal gifts which are not taxed as income in the U.S., Internet searches about online donations showed mixed opinions about taxability. At least one local tax expert tells KETV these donations are no different than a cash donation you make in person in a jar on a counter. This is a gift. She's going to have no tax consequences or should not, said Chad Brown, President of Liberty Tax Service franchises in Omaha, Iowa. Brown is not the sureest accountant, but offered a professional opinion based on the information KETV provided. He said crowdfunding sites often use a third party to pay out donations, and anything more than $20,000 annually requires these businesses to legally file a 1099 with the IRS. They're saying, we received this document that you received payments said Brown. I think they're going to really open the IRS's eyes. The more and more you see it on the news, Facebook, social media, it's becoming more and more popular. Brown says, we may even see new tax language or guidance on how to note online donations in a tax return sharifs are appealing their case casey is handling the battle just as she had with cancer smile it's the same spirit that inspired all of those donations in the first place i'm just happy to be alive said casey i'm happy to be here honestly chad brown the irs and gofundme all advise anyone using a crowdfunding site to consult a tax expert ketv will continue to follow updates on casey sharif and her appeal go ahead marga i I know you're chomping at the bit you (laughs) go ahead
4: I was so livid over this crap. Um, You know, I have accountants in the family and you can give a one time lifetime gift to someone. It's an exorbitant amount of money. But the point being, this was money given for medical treatment and that's what the money was used for this is just, once again, one more reason why I am a staunch proponent of abolishing the IRS. Get rid of them. It's bullshit Mm -hmm. that we don't need to deal with. Governments, both city, county, state, and federal can collect their tax revenues that they need off user taxes, sales taxes. we don't need the IRS. And how much money would that save the federal government? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But 20 years old, she's in a bad wreck. She's busted up. And, oh, by the way, you have cancer. And they're pulling this shit. Uh,
0: uh...
1: I'm telling you, yeah. they're just on a hunt for revenue. This is what happens.
0: Well, they're... federal federal taxes are, <laughs> they violate the Constitution anyway.
1: Well, right, but nobody wants to go live in a fucking rape cage. That's why you pay them. Yeah, I mean and, that's what it is, right, President? Well, yeah, no, not
0: exactly. Um, <laughs> the The whole idea is that if you, all right, now this this is far right, tinfoil hat wearing type shit, but if you you can legally copyright your name because your name is considered a straw man it's a fictitious entity used to attribute certain bills and payments and you know um responsibilities certain uh what is it liability um now you get all these idiots that are out there saying oh well i'm a sovereign citizen well no you're not To be a sovereign citizen, you live completely outside of the system. That means you can't ever take part in Social Security. You can't ever draw Medicaid. You can't ever draw welfare. You can't ever draw unemployment. Um, Legally, you can drive a car without a driver's license. Legally, it does not have to be registered. However they're going to come at you loaded for bear. And if you don't have all of your ducks in a row, every single time, 100%, then you're bound to go to jail. You will get fucked with. You will get harassed. It's just not worth it.
1: It's it's ugly. And we've talked about sovereign citizen stuff before. In yeah. fact, Barry, um, you've talked about the legal you versus the paper you. That's a really big argument for yeah the sovereign citizens use that a lot well yeah i mean there's a lot
3: of people got off fines and taxes and Mm -hmm. various things in several western countries using the that wasn't me that was the fake me that did that so i don't owe the money yeah (laughs) well
1: i mean honestly i mean that's true your birth certificate and those other documents that is not you as a person but, that, that's I mean, why
3: when you sign government documentation, it's, it's, it always has the specific wording saying, I agree with what this document says. Because mm-hmm. that's yeah. then you agreeing with it, not the paper you agreeing with it.
1: Yeah. It's, um, it's, I love, if you ever go to YouTube and you... There are sovereign citizens, you see them arguing with court judges... I love that. I love the videos of that because you- it's amazing because it's circular reasoning the entire time. And it, it um, it's just interesting to watch. And Jeremy, I, I want to tell you, I know there are plenty of people who would agree with being a sovereign citizen. As long as the government took nothing from them, they would expect nothing from the
0: government yeah no i have no i have no problem with that the the only thing is though that when when you start getting into the realm of being a sovereign citizen you can't even work you can't You've because got to live you off can't the land pretty yes much. you have you have to go completely off-grid live off the land you know and yeah. it's just
1: no <laughs> it's not an ideal life if you want to have children or a family or like heating air your- Indoor plumbing, air conditioning, yeah. hot showers.
0: Pretty
4: much. So, you really have to have your shit together to do that, too, because oh it's, yeah. yeah. Um, it's what happens if you have a drought one year, you better have a couple of years worth of food put back. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah.
1: Now, it, it's not something the average person could do. Now, you, you get up into the mountain areas of Appalachia and stuff, you're going to find plenty of people living like that. Now, we had people that lived like that, um... We had rednecks in Rhode Island that lived like that, you know. um, They lived way up in the mountains, you know. If you went anywhere near their house, they'd come at you with a shotgun. Talk about fucking scary. Um, You know, and they, they never went to town. They took nothing from anybody, but they wanted to be left alone on their land. So people do still live like that in modern times. Yeah,
3: they power to him more power to him I don't know that I could do it the the most hilarious uh, lives in isolation one I know of you can look it up the the leopard man in Scotland he lives right. on a island off the coast uh-huh. and he's he's a, he was he's into his body modification so he's tattooed mm-hmm. to be like a leopard he's got like leopard teeth and stuff like that and yeah, he just lives on that island. There's, he eats rabbits and whatever else game's there and whatever stuff he might be growing. And he, and he doesn't wear clothes either a lot of the time. So, <laughs> to, the, the, For a while, I don't know if it's still going on, but he used to do boat trips around his island and he'd you know, wave angrily at the, all the <laughs> tourists taking photos of him. Um,
1: <laughs> There's, there is an island out in the South Pacific somewhere that it, it's a it's a UN World Heritage site now. And the people living on it, if you come close to their they're the very last indigenous peoples that live completely free.
3: Oh, I don't know what you mean. Yeah. You
1: come near their island, they kill you.
3: Isn't that the Andamans or something?
1: Yeah. They're very serious about protecting their way of life. I I I you know It's the as... it's
3: the anthropologist plane. There's yeah. photos of it online. It's like we flew over the over the island to take photographs and just the undersides completely covered in arrows. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They are very serious. Um, and that's the kind of serious you have to be if you want to go against the government. And unfortunately, like, like we were saying, um, taxes aren't the price you pay for living in a civilized society. Uh, taxes are the price you pay so as not to be abused and still have television and... Cheerful topics tonight, huh? Yeah. Okay. Anybody have any introduction to anything else in the document?
4: I'm looking for more joy and.
1: <laughs> <sighs> How about this? Does this look okay? What do what you think? I numbered it. It should show up as seven.
0: Yeah, number seven IRS cancer survivor.
1: Okay, so then I need to number eight. Yeah. Can you see it now? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay when equal access means zero access for all there is an irrational comfort taken in the belief that man-made laws somehow ensure equality for all more often than not the exact opposite is true within the next week uc berkeley will be forced to remove over 20,000 lectures videos and other digital documents from its free online library while the prestigious school has been generous in making its electronic resources available to the public A violation of the americans with disabilities act has left the university with no other choice but to remove the online archive in its entirety we're currently living in a golden age of information where the internet has provided the world with limitless sources of learning without ever having to leave the comfort of the home like many institutions of higher education including many other ivy league schools uc berkeley has contributed to open source learning by sharing its curricula and other materials to online platforms like youtube and iTunes, as well as its own site. While many were celebrating the fact that technology has helped make Ivy League education accessible to anyone with a computer and a wireless connection, others did not believe this accessibility went far enough. Enter the state, nearly 3,000 miles away from the iconic Slather Gate entrance at UC Berkeley, two employees Washington D.C.'s Gauntlet University, a school for the deaf were outraged to learn that Berkeley's online archives, though extensive in scope, were not accessible to those with hearing impairments. Instead of contacting Berkeley to see if accommodations could be made without resorting to state intervention, the, complaints, the complainants sought help from the Department of Justice. It's always a bad idea. After investigating claims made by two Gotland employees, the DOJ came to the conclusion that yes, Berkeley's Free Online Archive had, in fact, violated the ADA, particularly Title II, which mandates that all public audio and video content provide accommodations for the deaf and hard of hearing. Among those stipulations is the requirement that all applicable content offer closed captioning, which, regrettably, 543 of Berkeley videos were missing. The DOJ declined from publicly commenting on the matter, but its letter to Berkeley officials clearly laid out the alleged violation. The department found that 543 of the videos it could identify on the YouTube channel, 75 had manually generated closed captions. Of the remainder, many had automatic captioning generated by YouTube speech recognition technology. Unfortunately, the government is not a magical entity. It cannot wave a wand and level all playing fields without trespassing on someone else's freedom along the way, which is precisely what happened as a result of the complaint filed against UC Berkeley. All or nothing. All 20,000 files will have to be removed from the online library. Now, instead of one group of people having limited access to a very small portion of Berkeley's extensive online library, the world will lose access to the entire archive. UC Berkeley was put in the unfortunate situation of being demonized for providing free information. To satisfy the ADA requirements and keep the content live, the university was going to have to reformat all the videos in question. However, this process is both timely and extraordinarily expensive which left Berkeley with only one remaining option if it wished to comply with the DOJ's demands. In September, Kathy Coslin, Vice Chancellor for the Undergraduate Education at the University, made the following statement. In many cases, the requirements proposed by the Department would require the University to implement extremely expensive measures to continue to make these resources available to the public for free. We believe that in a time of substantial budget deficits and shrinking state financial support, our first obligation is to use our limited resources to support our enrolled students. Therefore, we must strongly consider the una- uneviable opinion of whether to remove content from public access. Um, so while the entire process was frustrating, there's a possibility that the two authors of the DOJ complaints had no ideas what their actions would result in a major loss of public information. However, for many people, and perhaps most people, they view the state as the benevolent enforcer of all things good, not realizing the government entities always hurt what they claim to protect. The fact that the two scorned Gauntlet employees felt they had no option aside from involving the state in this matter is the real tragedy at hand. Perhaps if instead of choosing to file complaints, the two people would have channeled their disappointment and passion into a positive solution, both parties could have benefited rather than both sides losing. Generally speaking, people love being part of something bigger than themselves, giving back to communities we feel connected to and dedicating ourselves to causes we feel passionately about is part of the human experience. Just as technology has made sharing information more convenient than ever, it has also made fundraising and coalition building easier as well. Utilizing crowdfunding sites like GoFundMe and Kickstarter.com allows individuals from all walks of life the opportunity to feel as though they are invested in some grand, united effort each donor to feel as if they participated in something important, whether they donated a few thousand dollars or just a couple of bucks. Imagine an alternate reality where instead of pursuing legal action against UC Berkeley, those who felt passionately about this matter joined together as a community raised awareness and funds in order to provide the funding needed to have the 543 videos reformatted. If they had criticized by creating instead of litigating, not only would the problem have been solved in a more productive manner than it actually was, all parties would have actually benefited in the end. Berkeley wouldn't have to spend several months taking down its content. Those who wanted the content adapted for those with hearing impairments would not have only gotten what they wanted. They would have also raised awareness and possible donors to their own school. Additionally, the entire world would have also continued to benefit from the use of Berkeley's material. Unfortunately, as the situation has so aptly demonstrated, once the government gets involved in a scuffle, everybody loses. That was an article from the Foundation for Economic Education.
0: If I can't access it, no one can. Make a bet. I mean, that that's the that's the mentality though. I know. That that whole social justice warrior mentality. Oh my god, man. Has anybody seen this new song that's been posted up? Uh, Chad Prather and another guy where they parodied uh, friends in low places? No It's called Friends in Safe Spaces. It's <laughs> hilarious.
1: Well, I will say there's actually a happy ending to this kind of sort of I'm game. Uh, depending depending on how much you're into tech. 20,000 world-class university lectures made illegal. And this is from a site called Library, L-B-R-Y. And the reason I'm talking about this is because library is kind of important. What they're doing is making information available to really poor people around the world. Um, So the site library took and mirrored every single thing that UC Berkeley was pulling down, or at least everything they could find. Today, the University of California at Berkeley has deleted 20,000 college lectures from its YouTube channel. Berkeley removed the videos because of a lawsuit bought by two students from another university under the Americans with Disabilities Act. We copied all 20,000 and are making them permanently available for free via library. This makes the videos freely available and discoverable by all without reliance on any one entity to provide them, even us. Full catalog is over four terabytes and will be synced over the next several days. Uh, Until library launches to the public in April, the videos are only accessible to technical users via the command line. If you already have access to library, go to library slash UC Berkeley to see the full catalog. If you want to know as soon as the videos are made public, stick a link in chat and I will also put a link in my show notes, you can sign up there and library will let you know when they're available. Um, So, yeah, it's, library says it's legal. Um, The vast majority of lectures are licensed under Creative Commons that allows attributed non-commercial redistribution. Price for this content has been set at free, and all library metadata attributes it to UC Berkeley. Additionally, we believe this content is perfectly legal under the First Amendment. While other archive teams have also backed up these lectures using traditional methods, publishing them to library gives greater openness usability and robustness. Library is the first truly free censorship resistant way to exchange content. Library protocol provides a completely decentralized network for discovering, distributing, and publishing all types of content and information from books to movies. When publishing lectures to library, the content metadata is written to a public blockchain, making it permanently public and robust to interference. And the content data itself is Hosted by a peer-to-peer data network that offers economic incentives to ensure the data remains viable. This is superior to centralized manual hosting, which is vulnerable to technical failure or all other forms of attribution. So, library makes these boxes and they distribute them to really poor places around the world. So, it um, it's worth looking at library and all that stuff. Got rescued, it's still there. Oh, good for so, them. Yeah. Cheers for the does Doesn't it suck that common
4: sense went out the fucking window with all of that? Because (laughs) seriously, common sense, it's like if something's not right, you go talk to the person that uh, initiated it and go, can we fix this? Well, yeah. But when you
1: can sue, why bother? But, you know. Yeah,
3: litigation is the first port of call for too many people, basically.
1: It, It really is. Instead of speaking to each other like human beings.
0: Well, so. Gallaudet is, think, because I know a few deaf people, and they've they've talked about how <clears throat> their time, excuse me, while they were at Gallaudet, and they basically said that Gallaudet is, think of the most left-wing, socialist-minded colleges on the planet, all rolled into one these people that go there are bitter because they're deaf and they feel that the world doesn't cater to them enough. And I, you know, I, whereas I, I can agree with them on certain things, the whole attitude of if I can't access it, neither should
1: you. That's, that's, that's BS. Wrong. That's wrong, but it it had a good ending and I, yeah. we're one minute away from going off the air, you guys. So oh, shit. Good night. See you next week. Thanks. Night, for everybody. Good night. Good night. Night, everybody. <laughs>